and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland, the slickest of all Arsenal podcasts. We are definitely told by our main producer when we will be going live and when the button will be pressed. So much so that when one of the panel puts a tweet out to say who exactly he thinks is on the show, he gets two of the names wrong. What can I say? Other than I'm going to have to introduce the other people. And it definitely wasn't me that said that Carl would be on because John was meant to be on instead of Carl. Uh, but neither of them are here, so you can be equally disappointed in both sides. However, I am joined by Ellis Mao. Ellis, how's it going? Hello. I was going to try and do a Carl impression, but I couldn't really think of how he sounded other than a deep voice. <laughs> so, fuck that one up already, didn't I? Yeah, Happy New there, Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Happy Football's New good, Year. Good, isn't it? <laughs> back and stuff like that. And yeah, my other panellist, if we can call him such... I couldn't add him on Twitter, although I did try. Uh, so he probably got the notification through another account. So he's, he's there, kids. He is watching. He knows where you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He is much like the Santa Claus, but the opposite. It's Chris Carpenter. Chris, how's it going? Um, I'm good, Josh. I'm good. Uh, I'm still not on Twitter now. It's now been nearly three months since their last email correspondence where they said that they were getting to the case, and uh, I'm still here, floating like a turd in society, just round and round the bowl and not getting anywhere. So there you go. I- I'm not missing it that much, though. Is it still awash with, well, turds, I presume? Uh, no, it's so much better now. It's been great for the past three months. It's been probably the best website known to man. Everybody's so positive on it. Oh. Yeah. All the turds have been banned, haven't they? I think they yeah. did like a big purge on Twitter of all like the knobheads and annoying people that followed Arsenal. Pretty much like me, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only a couple of Trump bots, but it's all your favourite. It's great. It's probably my favourite place to be right now. Uh, but, Excellent. Um, I'll, I'll have to. Um, I'll have to hop on the ABW account and just tweet some bullshit and see what I get back. I uh, don't do an Ellis. right uh where should we start because we have very little agenda in terms of an agenda type type plan on what we were going to go through we did it in 30 seconds we've been here for half an hour already doing what could be described as a pre-pod meeting but it was very much not that it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a proper podcast Ellis, what have you made of our turnaround in form? Because it was all doom and gloom last year. How do you feel now? I'm in a much better frame of mind when it comes to Arsenal. Much like Chris, I've been avoiding Twitter, but actually on purpose. Like, that wasn't taken out of my own hands. Just because <laughs> it's been a rough sort of few months, hasn't it, really? Like, I've not really been on the pod for a while, but I'm glad I haven't really with the sort of results we've had and the form and the, and the performance we've been putting in. They were just getting a bit boring and just... just we were running out of things to really say. Like we couldn't really say anything positive, and then all of a sudden, we managed to to string three wins together, which I never thought I'd be saying a, a couple of weeks ago. That's for sure. So it's, I think part of it is a bit fortunate. I think Arteta has had his hands played with who he's had to play, and luckily it has worked out. Bringing in uh, Emil Smith Rowe and getting Martinelli back from injury, and Saka hitting a bit of form, and. Um, Tierney sort of playing with a bit more freedom on the left back. I think that's all sort of combined to make us a lot more better attacking. Again, Chris mentioned it previously before the start of the show. Other than the Chelsea game, although Chelsea are in a pretty sh- shit runner for themselves at the moment, these are teams that you'd probably, well, I wouldn't expect us to beat anyone with our, with our form before the before the end of the year. Um, 
but yeah, they are they are games you expect to get a win, but to actually score more than one goal and not from a set piece in the last three games and a few players more than one actually hitting form together, it's it's quite good. If it looks a bit bright, there's a lot more work to do. I think we all know what our weaknesses are. They're they're laid bare for us for the last few months and our performance are going. It's a bit of a mixed bag, really, isn't it? It seemed like a month ago, everything that could go wrong was going wrong, whereas now it seems everything's sort of going in our favour and we're getting results to match it. Yeah. One of the players you mentioned there as well, Martinelli, seems to... Chris, would it be a very lazy analysis to say Martinelli has completely turned around our fortunes? Or do you think it's a bit more than just his arrival being the catalyst for the good form? I mean, everything we say on this podcast is lazy, first and foremost. So <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's lazy. I just think that it's he's part of the inner workings of a a, a transformation in in style, in approach, in philosophy on the pitch. There's a freshness about the squad we've got at the moment, and I'm not going to be the the Debbie Doommonger on the pod this week. You know, I'm not going to sort of say, well, it's only and uh, we have to, and all those sort of phrases. I mean, I might I might venture a couple of those at some point, but I do feel like that there was a little bit of an element of these changes were forced to to a degree through absentees, and the players that have come in, what you basically want from them is is to step up. And, and to make an impression on, on the side and then take their place. And I think three players in particular have done that. They're in the squad on merit. They should stay in the, in, well, not just in the squad, they should stay in the team on merit. Martinelli worried me a little bit because I, I felt like we almost rushed him a little bit too much initially, especially when he got a couple of knocks. But he just epitomises everything that we should be building on in, in this squad in terms of youth, freshness. Uh, he's, he's got that desire about him. He's um, he's a little warrior, he's a little pit bull, and and he, he's playing like a player who's who's just missed playing football. He's got that hunger about him, and I think I think that goes along with it. But the, the good thing about about the West Brom game in particular was the fact that we didn't need to keep playing him. You know, we could also take him out of the firing line, give him a bit of a break, and the team still performed. So we've got to keep him fresh. But yeah, he's he along with a couple of others have been that breath of fresh air that we needed, and and hopefully he'll stay in this team now because he deserves to at the end of the day. Yeah. And Ellis, as you think we can kind of keep this form going as well, we've mentioned some of the players that are coming in. Someone like Martinelli, we're worried about his injury record. We do have Emil Smith-Rowe, whose injury record, should we say, is not the greatest. Is that a potential where, you know, the entirety of the wheels could fall off if he ends up picking up an injury? Well, yeah, I, I suppose it's how much you put, like we were just saying, how much you put this good run of form to the introduction of him, Martelli, at the form of Saka, just those three young players playing well and, and making things happen. I think it is. I, he is a player that just seems to me to to link, to be that link between mid, midfield and attack, whereas previously, Jagger, Tobias, Elneny, they just weren't really making that link. There was a, a very distinct sort of gap between our midfield mm. and forwards and our forwards that we've been playing weren't dynamic enough to create mm. something. But with Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka on the right there, Martinelli and Lacazette with his form that he's in, there is more movement, there is some sort of creation there. And I think 
he is a big part of that. It is a bit worrying, like you say, if, if he gets injured and we lose him, does it all fall apart? Maybe not because he isn't the sole cog that I think that is making this work at the moment. But we definitely need some backup in the form of that sort of attacking midfielder because, let's face it, Sabayas can't do it. Granit Xhaka can't do it. Partey is better than those two, but he's not that type of player. So if we lose him, that is going to be a potential new cog and what is making us work at the moment. So I'd like to see us potentially, if we could, I'm not, I'm not saying we are going to be able to, obviously there's uh, the breakout of the goal, the new strain of coronavirus that sort of put our country into turmoil, which might impact the transfer window in January. Who knows what wasn't really seem to be sort of phased by it all. That seems to keep going on. But I would like us to try and get someone either in sort of backup or potentially competition for him to make sure we have got something there when he does. And if he in Arsenal, he probably will get an injury and miss a number of games. And also, he's only young, so he can't play 90 minutes week in, week out. He's going to have to be rested like Martinelli was um, against West Brom. Yeah, and I think to come in on that as well, one thing that I think is a huge difference with Smith-Rowe, more than other, say, number 10s that are not that are at the club, but not necessarily in the squad, to put it politely, without naming certain individuals, is the fact that they're not faced by playing in a different position in that front three. Happy to rotate and do a bit of the job of if Saka comes inside, they'll jump out to the right wing. And you know what? They'll be up and down protecting their fullback as well. That kind of dynamism, I think, is what we're really missing in that kind of... And, uh, you know, the player that I think we're all... We all know that I'm alluding to. That's the one. In their particular tweet post-game, isn't it amazing when we have a number 10 like Smith Rowe, what we can achieve? Because, we, you know, he is the only one like that in the team and in the squad and in the at the club as well. Um, but I think going into the kind of the squad shape and the fact that we need, you know, some some players to come in I think it makes sense to talk about the transfer window. It is open. Uh, you know, every ITK has come out of the uh, come out of the woodwork, shall we say, out of lockdown, and they're already splurting all of their nonsense across the internet. Uh, apart from Chris, because he doesn't have that option at the moment. But Chris, in terms of exactly, I know, right? It was it was inevitable, wasn't it? <laughs> but strangely, we've got no one French to talk about, or from the French league, or at least not that I've seen. Is there any rumblings of the French league? Apparently, everybody's bankrupt there, you know, other than Lyon and PSG, because I don't want Lana coming to hunt me down and you know <laughs> slit in my throat when I you know say that Lyon don't have any money because they do actually have money. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better, because I'm not 100% sure they have got that much money. But, you know, we won't incur the wrath of the good lady. But um, basically all French clubs, apart from PSG, have not got a lot of money, um, whatever you read. But um, it's just it's just some are managing it better than others, shall we say. And uh, Leon are managing it slightly better. But this is a Leon who also are going to sell Memphis Depay and, and uh, Dembele and who said, oh, well, within the next six months. So, you know, make about what you will. But, um, yeah, I mean, transfers and stuff, it, it, I think it is quiet. We, get, we had a question from some bloke called Carl. Um, I don't know who he is. Sounds, sounds like a guy who probably should be doing some work. But um, he said about, could we see the lowest spend in the January transfer window history with the global pandemic in force? And I don't know about you guys, but it feels a bit weird to me in that 
we're we're obviously broadcasting from the UK. We're all based in the UK, and we've just been now told that we're going to be in lockdown now until probably mid-February by the sounds of it. And it doesn't really seem to have affected anything to do with football at this stage. But I, th- I believe the Premier League confirmed there was 50 cases in the last week, the highest number uh, since it's all gone down. So it does make you wonder if clubs abroad will be, or even players abroad, will be looking at this and thinking, well, I don't really want to go and join a club where I'm... Could just put yourself in a player's position. You know, you, you sign for a new club in, in January. You can't necessarily come over to sign the contract you then sign for a club where you've never actually visited, potentially. You then have to find somewhere to live when you can't actually go out. You know, you can't familiarise yourself with your surroundings. You can't get a tour around the area you're living in. You can't meet people to socialise with. You may not be able to bring your family, children. You know, you can't put them in schools. All these little things that I think people probably have just forgotten in, in a sense of, yes, it's all right doing a transfer, but there's a whole lot else that goes with it. So I do think in, in Carl's point there, I think we probably will see a bit of a lesser spend this this summer, or this uh, this January, sorry. There's only really been a couple of transfers so far. I didn't realise Jeffrey Condogbia has moved today to Atletico Madrid, so that's done. Etienne Capoue has gone to Villarreal from Watford as well there too. But we've, we've done two bits of outgoing transfer business, which I guess we'll come on to in a minute. But I, I don't think we're going to be doing a huge amount coming in. To be perfectly honest, I think we I think we may get one short term either deal or loan deal, um, but I don't I don't think we're going to be going ham on the uh, on, on the trans- on the transfers in. And now we've shipped out in particular Kalasanach, that frees up a space, doesn't it, to bring somebody in. So um, and Danny Ceballos is one of two loans that we're allowed, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. that opens the door, I guess, for certain players. As for the French transfer market, I mean it's. It's kind of open season, really. If Premier League teams want to want to buy league and players, they know what they need to do. Just turn up with a bag full of money, and they'll probably get their man. So there's a few players that are attracting interest, but I don't think you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see big transfers. You know, I don't think you're going to see uh, large superstars moving. Um, Isn't there um, that good young centre back at Nice? Is he available? Are we? Are we talking about the one that may just have left Arsenal or are we talking about one that actually is... Oh, yeah, he left Arsenal, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and we'll probably never come back. (laughs) Um, Maybe we'll go into that in a bit more depth. But, yeah, I I think there's a few players. I I did chuckle to myself this afternoon when when one Julian Draxler was linked with Arsenal again. Mm. I I wondered if that was Carl maybe starting that rumour, if he's got that kind of of sway in in the world. But, um. It's, a, it's it's actually a deal that would make a lot of sense, but he's he's a very Pochettino player, so I think he'll probably get a chance at, at PSG first. But yeah, I think um, I think you'll probably see a few clubs dip into France and just test the waters because nobody really knows who has to sell and who doesn't at the moment. So I, I do think you'll see a few Premier League clubs that will have a little go and see what they can prize out out for cheap. What about yeah, Jan Villa? I hear he's a he's a He's still playing. He's still playing. I tell you what, <laughs> really? Yeah, he's <laughs> he playing for, for? Um, plays for Olympiacos, I think. Or he, I don't know if he yeah. moved for Olympiacos. He certainly was there last year. Yeah. No um, <laughs> there is there is one player I would actually I would make an inquiry over uh, g- genuinely seriously. Saint Etienne have released Stefan Ruffier from his contract. He's been. Mm. He's the goalkeeper who's been in exile, basically, when he fell out of Claude Puel six months ago and has not played. He was their number one. 
he's an experienced uh, France international. He's he's got um, as he's thirty four years of age. He's a steady pair of hands, um, which you know, God bless, but Runison probably wasn't the last time we saw him. Uh, it's clear that we don't want to play Matt Macy, so I, I would I would maybe have a little sniff for him on a short term deal. Uh, the problem is, I, I think he's probably going to want to play, and there's a few mm. teams in France that could do with a goalkeeper, but. I, I would definitely be having a little sniff around him if he, if he fancies coming across because that would be I'd rather get a goalkeeper like that who's thirty four and experienced than waste another couple of million on a young goalkeeper that we're going to have to wait for a long time to get ready. Mm. Sensible move, yeah. short term, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Mark Poom signing. You know, the Mark Poom, the Mark Schwartz, that kind of deal. Yeah, I think from my perspective, I don't think it seems odd to say this. I don't think we need more than one player to come in at the moment the market's in such an odd flux at the moment and we're in such a position that you know what it's better off just to you know what hold on to our eggs for a window see what comes around in the summer because there are well we know how many players we've got on uh you know end of the contract kind of deals julian draxler to be another player is also what his contract expires at the end of the uh season as well there are a big or a high number of free agents available that could bolster our squad in the summer and for now the only you know like you say Chris with the goalkeeper I'm not wholly worried whilst Leno still can tie his own boots put his gloves on that we don't need another goalkeeper you know or at least we don't need another goalkeeper till the summer it's the what if isn't it yeah, the the if 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 in, we're uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same with Kieran Tierney, isn't it? That we have mm-hmm. done a little bit of risk making. If Tierney gets injured, we're then moving to five at the back, in my mind, anyway. And or, or we could play Xhaka at left back again, like we did. The Emery era is either Xhaka <laughs> at the back, Saka at the back, or Maitland Niles. Yeah, uh, and I think neither of which really appeal in a left, no. left back role. No. No, none of them. Are, it's all makeshift options, really, there. Um, See, so yeah, in terms of the incomings that we have been linked with, uh, Ellis, one from your neck of the woods in terms of the club he plays at, not the fact that he's Argentinian. Uh, Emmy Brandia, uh, what do you think to, you know, the links to him? There's rumours of what the transfer fee might be, but... From my point of view, I, I don't think Norwich are going to entertain any kind of bid of any amount. No, if I'm if I'm completely honest, from what I'm hearing from people that I, like obviously I live with, no Norwich fans, like he's worth too much for them. Like I think we met, we talked about this off air on on a on a WhatsApp chat. Like I didn't realise how much Premier League promotion was worth. I thought it was only worth about 100 million, but inform it's like 250 or something mad like that now. And he's a big part of that. He is easily their most creative player. He is integral to them getting promoted this season if they can manage to do it. Um, I'm not saying they can't get promoted, but they can. But if they're going to lose him, they're going to want a hefty sum of money, which I don't think, A, we've got, or B, we'd be willing to part with even if we did have it for a player. I think it, it makes logical sense with us leaving Europe and the fact that he's in England, playing in England, we're not going to need like it's not going to be difficult to integrate him into a league that he's already played in um, but it's just it's not going to be it's viable it's not viable really for what we can afford to spend on him the only way I could see it is potentially with like 
Cash plus one of our young players that could probably do really well at Norwich. They are quite good at developing young players. They could probably develop Nelson on, but and are you going to want to get rid of Nelson, Willick, maybe even Nketiah when you can probably send or sell, I should say, not send, sell Nketiah for some money rather than send on loan because he's already had loans and I think for me personally, he's not going to make it. So I think it's a bit of a no-go. I would love him at Arsenal, don't get me wrong. I think he's a quality player. Um, he's really good on the ball and he and he, he reminds me of sort of the old school Arsenal attacking midfielder, not exactly very athletic, but very good with the ball at his feet and very creative and sort of has a lot of flair to him. But I just, I just can't see it happening, not this window anyway. Yeah, and Chris, the other player, uh, also beginning with B, it's like uh, they're getting lazy, the journalists. If they've only got to the B of the, you know, we've seen they got to D with Draxler now. But uh, Julian Brandt at Dortmund, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think your colleague and our, mine, in terms of Drew, has been uh, banging the drum on what we could expect from Brandt and what his situation is at Dortmund. Um, yeah, how do you see that one playing out? It's just a lot of talk. Hmm. It feels more like a summer sort of transfer to me because I, I don't, uh, Drew would probably know more than I would, but it doesn't seem like a deal that benefits Dortmund if he was to come on loan to us. It really doesn't. Like to me, it, it's sort of a Dortmund are, are going to potentially have a, a longer term coach appointed in the summer because obviously they've got the, the guy in at the moment. I, I don't foresee him being there long term. I think they'll go for a more. Um, high-profile coach um, in the in the summer when there's probably going to be more of them sloshing around. So it, to me, it, it strikes me as that kind of deal. You just it's just not a deal that I don't. I just just doesn't seem like a deal they would they would benefit from in January really because they're not going to get they're not going to be able to potentially have access to uh, a replacement in January. And I don't really see why loaning out a player who would still do a job for them now makes any sense. It makes a bit of sense for us. If it was me personally, I, I would stay away from that deal because for me, Brandt's a player who's... I, I just feel like he stagnated a little bit. I feel like he, he made the step up to Dortmund from Leverkusen, wasn't he? Was that before? And he he looked a real player. And it's almost like what's happening to Kai Havertz at Chelsea where I just wonder if it was a bit of a, a biggest, uh, too big a step too soon. Um, Dortmund are a, a huge club in, in Germany. You know, aspirations for the title. Well, I know Leverkusen having, having a good season, but... He felt like that felt like a good fit, and sometimes players maybe move and and never really felt like he was going to be first choice at Dortmund with the amount of attacking talent they've got there. So I I, I do you know he's a good player, a very good player, but I don't know whether he's the sort of player that I would personally be looking for for us. So I I feel like we need something. I mean, Awar was made sense because of his his style of play and the fact that he can play sort of wide as well as central and, and breaks the lines, Brandt. I don't really see as that type of player. Um, so, I, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a tough one for me. I I wouldn't be surprised if he rocked up, but it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me personally. And I'd, I'd imagine he would be a fairly hefty transfer fee, and I'm not really sure where we're getting that money from either. And even a loan fee, you'd think that Dortmund would want us to pay pretty much all his wages, which won't won't be cheap either. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. And and this is going to sound really harsh. I don't mean it to on Julian Brandt, but I, I sort of want Arsenal to move away from this. Well, that guy failed here, so we'll give him a go. 
you know, and maybe failed is a bit harsh because he, you know, he hasn't failed, but I don't think he's lived up to expectations, shall we say, in Dortmund. And I just sort of feel like he's another, rather than sniffing around Chelsea's bins, we're sniffing around Dortmund's bins. Do you know what I mean? I, I'd rather we go out and sign a player like Dominic Sabozlai has gone to Leipzig today for 18 million. Mm. We were linked with this player for, for months. You know, he's an up and coming young talent. And I appreciate there's probably a lot of the, the Red Bull um uh, sweet sugary goodness gone into that deal but you know for 18 million quid you're not telling me that we couldn't afford our who was 45 million or what what leon wanted 40 million minimum well why on earth are we not pushing for an 18 million player who's clearly got a, a massive amount of talent whereas brand who i think is he 25 now 26 something like that i i would rather be going a bit down the younger route where you can sort of say to the likes of smith row you know you both you're in a shootout rather than Oh, hi, Smith Ray. You've done really, really well here, but here's this uh, established German international who um, who hasn't really done it at, at Dortmund, and he's going to come in and take your place. Because a little bit backwards, do you know what I mean? I'd rather look to the future. Yeah, he's 24, Julian Brandt. Okay. So yeah, he's in and around. So he's still that young. Kind of, yeah, he's got three more years until you say arguably he's at his peak uh, from a general kind of perspective. But it does seem. I don't know. It's one of those difficult ones that whenever you bring in a player who's going to come in above an academy mm. player, uh, even though you know we need to bring someone in, in that kind of role, it's always difficult to kind of stomach that we know Smith Rowe, who's done so well for, albeit only three games, mm. is now going to get less of an opportunity. It I, doesn't I, quite... Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather loan... I don't know if we've mentioned it or not yet. I don't think we have, but... <laughs> As much as he looks a little bit chunky right now, I'd rather go for an Isco for six months, who we know mm. is only going to be here for six months. And then you can sell that project to sort of a, a Smith Rowe or, you know, a another and say, look, we're going to get in a bit of experience here because we need to rotate you. And, you know, we need certain players for the Europa League and stuff like that. We're going with experience. And you mm. say that to him. And then to Isco, for example, you say, well, look, it's a good deal for both of us. You get playing time you get an opportunity at a fresh start somewhere. If it works out, we may well look to sign you. If it doesn't, you go back to, to Madrid, you put yourself in the shop window and you go and sign somewhere else. So that, that's... Sorry, speaking about Isco, I've not, I, I don't claim to watch a lot of football and Arsenal even at the moment. I'm not watching much Arsenal. Um, I can remember a few seasons back when Isco, to me, was a quality player. It, has, has he still got that? Is he playing at all? Has he lost that? Is that a move? I know you've said you wanted to do it, but is it realistically a move that Arsenal should be looking to try and do? Is he going to improve our squad? I think, I think, I think so because he because I think he's got something to prove, and I, I like I like play. It's a, li- a little bit like what we got with Sabios, and and yeah, I know some people are divided. I know some people go back and forth on Sabios week by week, but when you sign a player who's been out of favour. He was playing every week um, before. I think. I think even under Zidane's first tenure, I think he was getting game time, and then he just and then he just didn't. You know, who, who was the manager after Zidane? God, I've gone blank. No idea. Oh, who was God. the guy? Lopetegui. Uh, Lopetegui, um, and then he sort of dropped out of favour. So I don't know. Like it's almost like what you see going going on with Eden Hazard. You know, where you just look at that move and you go, "Well, that's just not going to work. He needs to move on." Players like that, they've got something to prove. Mm. I, I think, you know, Isco is it's not that long ago that he was the, the cornerstone of a, a Spanish central midfield attack. Uh, is he featuring we, at all for Real Madrid? 
Not for Real. I, I'd have to check his appearances, but I don't. I don't remember seeing him in any lineups recently. Mm. Uh, I will double check that, but I, th- I think he's been in and around squads. I think he's had a few fitness issues as well, which which has to say that. Him. That is anything that concerns me. Like I'm not sure what his age is now, but he must be getting on a bit. He's yeah. potentially not featuring much for Real Madrid, so fitness-wise, injury-wise, like he's 28 he... and he's played. Ten, he's actually played 10 games this season, so you know he is in and around the squad. That's more, I must admit, that's five more than I thought he'd played. Mm. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think you know. Like under Arsenal, it would be like, oh, I'm not going to bring in an Isco because it'll kill Smith Rowe. That would have been the line. Mm. I don't think that would be the case with this deal because. Not a short-term loan, no. If you only loan no. end of the season, then it's just competition, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like said, that's how you sell it to him, I suppose, isn't it? It's, it's Kim Kelstrom without the broken back, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's, an, it's an established international footballer who can add something. And and there's no way that it's, Isco wouldn't add something. If if we're not going to... The, the, only, the only caveat to that is if we're considering bringing a certain German international back into the fold, which I, I still don't think will happen. But, but, you know, we don't know, do we? You know, we don't know. Apparently he's training well and whatever. Maybe maybe that will happen. But I, I don't think it will. But, you know. I love how he's literally become Voldemort and we can't even say his name anymore. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it is is very much his PR machine that says he is training well, I think. I haven't really... Uh, no one else has said it, if you know. I think I think there's been a few. I think there's been a couple of. I don't know. I I couldn't mm. name them name for name. But I think there's been a few journos that have said. Uh, that is not, something actually, Chris. That I want to pull you up on. I yeah. Kind of. It was. It was midway through podding when we were probably at our worst, and I and you wrote your fucking monologue about <laughs> how much you disliked Arte mm-hmm. and what he was doing wrong. And there was a peer. I can't remember who you're on with now. I, I, I imagine it was probably Danny. I don't think you were on it, Josh, but. There was sort of like a unanimous decision that you wanted him back and you think it was worthwhile putting him in the squad and playing him. Do you still agree with that? Yeah, I, 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 it's not so much that I want him... It's not so much that it's a unanimous decision. My main beef is that it should never have got to this point. I think that's that's my major beef. If If he's not training well and if he's not in form, fine. But why you'd name Mustafi, uh, Pablo Marie, fine, has, has come back in and played some games. But again, most of them have been very late in 2020, early 2021. So you could have made the argument to have left him off the squad. You certainly could have made the argument to leave Mustafi out of the squad or Kolasinac. That's what I have a, an issue with is that as fans, we're just not being told the truth. That's what bugs me. You know, and and when when our the, the thing that sort of Arteta's a very very good talker, and don't get it wrong, he's he's really good at that. But he's he's also very good at you know, certain managers are brilliant at saying a lot, but basically saying nothing. You know, though, where they just talk. Mourinho is very good at it as well. He just says a lot of waffle, and before you know it, you're just sort of nodding along, and you go, "What did he even just say? I don't I don't even know what he's even just said." Um, Mikel's also quite good at that, cleverly collecting things. And I just, I'm not saying that the club would ever have come out and said, right, well, we're not going to play him because of his comments on China and his comments on Muslims and whatever, his association with Erdogan or whatever it is. But I, I just, even if the club just came out and said, look, he's not going to be named due to off the field issues, mm. you know, that, that will do. Let people speculate because all people have done since he's been left out of this squad is speculate. That's all we, that's all we've done. And even people like myself who, 
who six months ago moved on from us are gradually being sucked back in because <laughs> we're now sitting here going, well, the one thing we've missed from from until literally the last two weeks is, is some creativity. I'm not saying he should just parachute back in and, and be the solution to all of our, our games. I'd have Smith Rowe over him every day of the week right now. But there's got to be a place for him on the bench, you'd think, you know, or a place for him in our Europa League team um, because he's the sort of he's the sort of player that that might just win you a game when you need it towards the end of the season. But if he's not going to be, fine. But just come out and say that, and and that's kind of that's the only thing I have a bit of a. An issue Isn't that with what they are that. saying though? They've at no point that they. Yeah. I mean, you, you say that we're not being told the truth. What if we don't know that? What if we are being told the truth? And Arteta simply does not think that Mesut Ozil is good enough to play the way he wants to play. And yes, it was really fucking shit for a whole probably mm. two months, diabolical. And I can see what you mean. Like you are, you can look at that and think, well, surely Mesut Ozil could do something then. But mm. I think that is just us as fans getting a bit desperate. And I just, if but he gets anywhere mean- back near the squad, then I think that is just a complete detriment to Arteta's management. I think it'd be undermined. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, there's a lot of people out on the internet that still think Mesut Ozil is this god that was playing at Real Madrid. He came to us and he played really well. We won a trade for the first time in ages. And then he tailed off a bit. And then he picked up, got his contract, and then he tailed off a bit. Then another manager left him out. He played a lot a bit for Arteta because I think that is the typical standard cocky manager. Oh, yeah, the manager performed me couldn't get anything out of this player, but I think I can. I can be the man that gets something out of Mesut Ozil. And I think if Arteta was to be sacked in that bad run of form he had. I don't think it's going to happen now, but say he was sacked and then someone else was brought in for January. I guarantee the new manager, whoever he is, even if it was a proper anti sort of Mesut Ozil type of player, would probably still try and get Mesut Ozil on Instagram because he could be the one that goes, I'm the one that got something out of Mesut Ozil when this manager couldn't and that manager couldn't. But yeah, for me, I just don't think he is any good anymore. And I just don't think his heart's in it and I just think he, he should I get you why you're angry he shouldn't be anywhere near this club if he's not going to play if he's not going to be registered why the fuck is our highest earner there that is frustrating but as bad as it got I still weren't in the point of frame to go maybe we should try him I don't, I I don't know about you Josh like, <laughs> I think that's my issue I mean, though that's, that's why I, that's, sorry Josh yeah, yeah I'd say I think the other way I kind of flip it is however bad defensively we were I wasn't calling for Socrates to come back in yeah yeah, uh, that's just, you know there is another player that has been left out for a reason, and I mean like Erza was actually good at a time. Like Socrates was never Socrates, really good. For I think Socrates in the system, I don't think he's that system. It's all right. Oh, he can't on, play he out. He can't play, he can't play out the back. And I think if you drop him into, I'm going to throw the old cliche. Probably not a big Sam team after we saw what you know, a big Sam team can do when it's not playing away at Anfield. It's that kind of backs against the wall, old school defending. We've seen this kind of rejuvenation of Rob Holding, who we've come from thinking was that kind of mindset, perhaps because of his heritage, you know, coming from the rugged Northwest of England, being a Bolton lad, uh, speaking with a funny accent and, you know, had that kind of old school feel about him and becoming this kind of bit more of a cultured player. I'm just not sure we'd get that from, well, let's say in terms of Ozil, I think he was on the decline anyway. And however uh, inexperienced 
or experience the managers that have come in post Wenger have been, they've all tried. And for some reason, he's then not made the playing squads for the, you know, last few games of their tenure. You know, he didn't play under Emery towards the end. Uh, he just couldn't seem to uh, integrate him in a way that was working. And we blamed Emery for that. And to be honest, the style of football didn't suit Ozil. And then we got Freddie in. Freddie brought Ozil back into the fray. Everyone was happy. And then suddenly, you know, we still weren't getting performances from him. And he dropped out in the end. Freddie was just like, fuck this, I'm playing the kids. And Arteta, again, we can look to the start of his tenure. Meza Ozil came back into the squad. And it's it's got to be a footballing reason. And they've said it's a footballing reason. But remember, this is an asset we're also trying to get rid of and try and get money from. Hmm. So we're not going to say, oh, yeah, the guy's a twat in training and he's shit. You know, he can't even put his boots on the right feet anymore because we're still paying him money and we want that off the off the wage bill. You know, we're getting to six months left because, you know, what people are looking and saying, he's not a viable option. So we can't be, you know, sledging an asset that we want rid of. But we're not going to get money for him, though, are we? Oh, Let's be we're honest. not anymore. I mean, we're, now. And that, that, I think... Th- this is this is I guess to sort of answer your question, Alice, I like this my thing is I just kinda wanna know. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not that I'm saying Mezzi is the answer. I, yeah, I, yeah. I just I just wanna know, is that fire lit underneath him or does he really not give a shit? You know, w- would he actually come in? Because every every player that's been questioned that has has dropped us in it or has had, you know, bad patches of form, every single one of those players has responded at one time or another. You know, I wouldn't have Shaka taking the toilet rolls out in, in our team. Personally, I just wouldn't. I don't rate the guy. I never have. You know that. But he did respond to 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 that that moment of madness. And, and he has always come back. He can't fault the guy for that. He's always put a shift in. Alex Lacazette was, you know, lambasted by the online community. Should be stressed, the online community, not the actual people who go to games regularly and saw the hard work he was putting in. But that's another story. Um, he's come back and he's responded we're waiting to see if Aubameyang will respond. I, you know, I hope he will. Bloody better do on that money, but you know what I mean? There's, uh, you know, Rob Holding was out the door. He came back in. He responded. David Luiz, to a degree, responded. Willian, probably less at the better. But, you know, most of them have come back and responded. And I guess that's just what I'm looking at. I'm just looking at it thinking, well, we're never going to sell him. Wherever he goes, you'll go for free. Wherever he goes, we'll still pay some of his wages because we just, it's going to happen. I just wonder if, if you if you put him in, do you remember that game at Anfield, that 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 Carling Cup game or whatever it was, Coca, whatever it was, whatever so five then, four, yeah, four, and we, the, the, I think the four all in the, in the navy blue yeah. kit, and mm-hmm. uh, and we put him in the team that night, and he was brilliant. He absolutely ran that game, albeit against the second string Liverpool team, and I just wonder would we get that, you know? And we may only get that for two games, three games. We might get it for two months, three months. We might get it for six months. But if if you're trying to sell and you're trying to recoup, you know, some some money here, isn't that a better way of doing it? Because nobody's going to knock our door down going, oh, yeah, you know that guy who, you know that social media manager that used to be a number 10 for Real Madrid that you've got? Yeah, we'd like to give you five million for him or take his well. They're not going to do it because nobody really knows what he's doing right now other than sitting in his flat and tweeting. I mean, well. I uh, really wanted I've, him when he was doing well, though, just before we signed him for a contract. There wasn't really any... There wasn't the clamour. 
No, there is more people going for Sanchez, and that might be the reason because they're both going free. So they thought of the two, we'd much rather have Sanchez because he runs around a bit more mm. and scores more goals. But just just for me personally, I I can't see how it isn't footballing reasons. I just in this day and age, when, like especially given like Arteta and how bad it went, surely if it was just purely left out because of all the things you've listed and nothing to do with football he'd be like well fuck it let's put him in because I might lose my job if I don't buy this player and he's still got it Yeah. but if he hasn't got it then he's just he's not going to bother putting him in is he I think if if, if Ozil still had it if he still had that oomph to get there and perform and still had that fire in his belly he'd be playing he wouldn't be sat there tweeting about Fortnite when the game's going on with he? him yeah. But he, I but he think can't. He'd be in the squad. I know. I, I, I know he can't anymore. Um, I don't even think we've had offers, have we? I don't know. I don't know if we'd had. Well, no, and I, I think that's where, and I think I've said this now for it feels like eighteen months. It might be less, but time has melded into a whole new reality. Exactly. Yeah, is that I am absolutely mad, adamant that the guy retires in the summer. Mm. It's just written in this. It's written, there's so much proof in terms of people from that World Cup squad that have said they they've just retired early because they couldn't get up for it. Per Mertesacker was one of them. Andre Scherler did it what last summer? Yeah. Same same generation. Kadir is still going around because he was winning titles at Juventus. Yeah. You know, the Bundes, the uh, guys still at Bayern. They're still doing it because they've still got some hunger somewhere. Ozil's won everything. He's done it. The only thing he hadn't done was sorted out what he was doing for retirement. So he's just launched a clothing brand. He got into bed with Matthew Flamini, uh, so to speak. Who wouldn't? And, exactly. And doing a lot of work outside in the business roles. And it just seems to me it's completely written that he retires. Because if he did want to play football that much, he'd go out and find I something. I think he'll fancy MLS. I think he'll fancy... Because you mm. mentioned old German internationals that have... Retired um, mm. Bastian Schweinsteiger is one who mm. finished it in Chicago. I, I could see Mesut popping up in, you know, a, a Beckham fronted Miami or a, an LA Galaxy, or you know, he's good friends with mm. Latan as well. Uh, you know, who will probably give him a good testimony to go out there. It, he and, and the other thing with a lot of the pitches in, in MLS, he would probably be able to get away with the, the what I called the Drogba rule. Uh, for those who didn't know, Didier Drogba refused to play on plastic pitches because of his knees. And um, and it was written into his contract that he wouldn't play certain away games. You could imagine that being a very mesut type of thing, you know. I'm not going to play away from home. <laughs> but but, it, but in, in MLS, it's very places. different. It's very, it's very different. Yeah, in the like US. Montreal, where Drogba yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, no. But you, you know, you, you could, uh, could could even see him pe- pitching up in Montreal under Thierry Henry. I mean, imagine that. But um, yeah, I could see him going out there. There's there's obviously the there's the obvious links to Turkey. Um, because of his, his heritage and whatnot, but mm. yeah, I mean, I it, rumors won't go away, will they? No, we don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not. We, we do, we, we do need rid. You know, we need to move on from, we need to move on from us, and we need to move on more importantly from that era. Mm. Uh, I just, I, I just have that sort of thing in my head of going. Look, we struggled for creativity for six months, and we've had this player that, you know, if, if, if he, if if he'd have been named on the Premier League squad list, all of this, all of this talk wouldn't have never happened. If he'd have been on that squad list but never picked, nobody would have said anything. Apart from his, like you said, Alice, you know, there's that that sort of you know uh, he can do no wrong 
crew. Fair enough, let them do what they've got to do. But if he'd have just been if he'd have just been added on, or if he'd have just been added onto that list quietly, there wouldn't have been all this drama about it. And if Mustafi hadn't have been on that list, nobody would have given the monkeys because we'd have been like, well, he's clearly going to go as his Socrates, and that would have been it. But I feel like leaving him off that that squad list, as well as Socrates, that's led to all this dressing room politics. And I just don't think it's benefited the club. And if he was on that list and he did play a few games and, and he stank up the joint, which, you know, like we've all said, he probably could well have done, then he would have had no excuse. And we would have said, well, look, we gave you the chance. You didn't want to know. So, well, all we've really done is just created a, a PR maelstrom and, and we haven't benefited from it. No, absolutely. And I think we'll we'll move on to another one of, um, should we say, the clique around Meza Ozil. Uh, we know that there are a group of players that are very close to him. Uh, we, we won't necessarily speculate on the disruption or not disruption they may have caused since the announcement that Ozil was, uh, you know, their best mate wasn't going to be in the Premier League squad or Europa League squad with them. Uh, and talk about Kolasinic, who has gone to Schalke for six months, um, taken a huge pay cut to go there, and we're not subsidising. Uh, you know, he's taken a lot of wages that have gone. Uh, that he's just, you know, we've dropped. Uh, oh, how am I going to try and word this? Because I think I've messed it up. And if we were doing this live or not live, Danny would cut this bit, but we're not because he doesn't do editing anymore. So. If I remember rightly, Kalasnich has taken a 50% pay cut and then Schalke are paying 50% of that and we're covering the other half. So, uh, yeah, it's fair play that he's taken that kind of thing to go out and play. But how do you feel about the move, uh, Ellis, that Kalasnich has gone out? It leaves us a bit short in the left-back position. It does, but I'm not going to lie and say that whenever he came on as cover... I was thrilled and thought we are definitely keeping a clean sheet. Nothing wrong could go. Nothing. Nothing could go wrong with this guy at left back. He is solid. No, so uh, we like Chris has mentioned there, and what we have said in, in the whole of this pod, there is a, a group of players that you link this bit to that need to be gone, and he is one of those players that we need to get rid of. Sadly, like bless him, he, he, when he first came in, he was a free, looked like a bit good bit of business. In this period where he just sprang down the wing and cut it back and we scored goals and he was like at one point it felt like he was our only atta- attacking outlet with a uh, with Emery um, but then it quickly became apparent that he's not actually that good of a defender and is much quicker getting back or getting forward I should say than he is getting back so yeah I I can't fault the guy um, for the effort that he tries but I just don't think he was that good of a footballer and I think there's a reason why we got him on a free and that is because he probably isn't really wasn't really being looked at by anyone else no one else thought yes we'll take him yeah he performed well at Schalke I think was he in the German team of the season when we signed him mm-hmm. on a free so he obviously yeah. performs well there and I can see why he's gone back there because that worked for him and, and, and he worked for them but he, he, he didn't work for us unfortunately so it was time to go and as much as we give criticism to Arsenal for the dealings we have done and for the players we have signed this is a good bit of business If like, I don't know the numbers but if you're, what you're saying is true Josh and we have cut his wage by 50% or he dropped his wage by 50% to go to them and then we're only paying 50% of those wages then that is a good bit of business that is a good chunk of wage bills that we've got off and we've got rid of a player that essentially isn't improving us 
in the slightest and why is he even there so for me I think that's a good bit of business I appreciate what he tried to do for us and I appreciate he, he tried to play well but he just wasn't really Arsenal quality for me Yeah Chris six months uh, of the loan for a player that's got 18 months on left on his deal do you think the only reason it wasn't a permanent to Schalke is purely because of their current predicament in the Bundesliga where they haven't won a game and the chance of relegation so he didn't fancy Bundesliga's Vi next season, should you say? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's an element of again shop windowing, isn't there, with this with this deal? He he was he, he's a bit of a cult figure, a cult hero at, at Schalke, so I can sort of see the appeal of going back. And and I guess you know he he was always a good performer for Schalke. That was the reason why we signed him. As you mentioned, uh, I think their one defeat off of Tasmania, Berlin's record of. Mm-hmm. Of um of uh, on the spin defeats, I don't think they've won in thirty, is it 30 games. Is that ridiculous now? Which is absolutely yeah. bonkers. The but they're you know they're a massive club and and it, you know if he goes in there and he helps helps them steer away. Do you know they're being managed as well by Christian Gross? Remember him? Um, yeah. If, if he goes in there and, and helps keep them up, then you know he's in the shop window. And the thing is as well, because of his Bundesliga track record, you could imagine another Bundesliga team having a look mm-hmm. at him and thinking actually he's probably worth a stab, you know, an Eintracht Frankfurt or a, a Wolfsburg or a Werder Bremen, you know, a team like that, sort of mid-table, who, who might mm-hmm. want an attacking fullback. The thing with, with Saeed is he was always, um, he fit the Unai Emery system because he wasn't really required to defend too much. Mm-hmm. And, and even when he was required to defend, it wasn't really as a left-back, it was as a one of the players getting behind the ball as we were counterattacked. He wasn't really in a position, was it? He his primary goal in that team was to be an overlapping attacking fullback. And, you know, whilst it was predictable, we did get we did get some benefits out of his his attacking style. And when you buy a, a fullback like him, you know, you wouldn't buy Trent Alexander Arnold to be your best defender, for example. You buy him for his assists yeah. and his overlapping and you know, you only had to look at him last night. I think he, he gave the ball away the record amount of times in the Premier mm-hmm. League Liverpool 38 times or something yeah. um, you know as good as he is attacking and as good as he is at dead ball situations you wouldn't have him anywhere near the top right backs you wouldn't put him in Gary Neville's class or Ashley Cole's class as a fullback um, and, and you, there aren't many fullbacks out there like that anymore even even the likes of Ben Chilwell who's quite steady far better going forward than he is going the other way so I think mm. Kieran Tierney is probably we are a bit biased but probably one of the mm. few left backs or wing backs who can actually do both jobs defensively and you know as a centre back as a left back and as an attacking force mm. Kolasinac was never that he was always a guy who could attack but you know as Alice said defensively was always you could see teams target him and his physicality got him out of got him out of problems a few times rather than his actual tackling ability but yeah I mean I, I could see I could see him going to Schalke and, and you know what fair play to the guy you know he's taken he's he's left a a bigger club to go back to a club that are really struggling. He has taken that pay cut, which benefits us. And for all his faults, the guy wants to play football. You can't knock that. And even if, even if we can't get a fee for him or a particularly big fee for him in the summer, if he goes out and plays football, there's more likelihood that we can get something um, or at least guarantee that we can actually get rid of him, so to speak, than, uh, than, than like we said with Meza, he's, it's clear that he wants to play football. So, um, Hopefully, hopefully he'll, he'll he'll do well there and, and get himself a move. Yeah, I think so. I think there's no, we know why he's leaving. And from our point of view, from a fan base, we've not seen him be a disruptive influence, so to speak. Whether or not what's happening in the training grounds is a different 
you know, we don't see training every day. But yeah, from our point of view, he seems like an amicable departure and he's going to do some great things, hopefully, with not his boyhood club, but a club that is very close to his heart. Yeah. Uh, now, we've done the uh, we've done the German clique. Should we move on to the French clique <laughs> uh, uh, at Arsenal? We won't talk about the, uh, the high-profile strikers, French clique, but the younger side of it. Um, well, Danny has just hit the right button for everybody watching the stream. Uh, <laughs> as we limber up, uh, Christy, your stretches. Ellis, take a little bit, you know, stick your feet up because we are going to talk about Billy Saliba. And he has gone on loan to Nice. There is a pun in there if I worded it differently, but we're better than that, aren't we? Yeah. Well, uh, that's debatable, but yeah. I've, I've left it to you to, I've lined you up anyway if you want to use it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll talk us through Billy Saliba, uh, your thoughts, and then I'm sure we're going to not clash because we kind of um, went through where our opinions on Saliba and where his angsts may lie and who's to blame for said angst as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, go ahead first, Chris, on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just very, I'm, I'm, that, I'm very happy and I'm very sad all at the same time. I'm very happy that one of the most talented young centre-halves in, in European football right now is, is actually going to get the football he deserves. I'm a little sad because it's the club that I love who's treated him appallingly for basically 18 months and, and, I'll go so far as to say tried to to destroy a young a young player's career in that time, and I, and that might sound harsh to some people. It's how I see it, and that's it. I'm not going to change my opinion on that. We made a young a young talented player who, let's not forget, we outbid and fought off Bayern Munich and Real Madrid for, who were both in in the, in the, you know in negotiations. He could even have ended up at Spurs. He was um, talked about as, as being interested there as well. We moved heaven and high earth to sign him. The the, the fee for me doesn't, I, I don't really care because I think like uh, John has always said, and I agree with him, I don't care if, if we sign somebody for 10 quid or, or 100 million. To me, a price tag is, who cares? You know, whatever a player's worth is, that's what you pay and that's it. So, that you know, the, the hefty price tag is always going to attract attention. But what you're paying for in that was... A future you are paying for uh, potential you're paying for a player that you you invested in and a player that you you felt would be able to achieve at the highest level for years to come to build your squad around at 19 years of age what we actually did was we made a load of false promises that we couldn't back up to a teenager who we then forced to move you know move country when it was clear that he was uh, you know quite close to his family. We know that he suffered family bereavements, which is, you know, that's just unfortunate. Nobody could have foreseen that, but it was very clear that he was close to his family. So we, we've sold him a dream. We've moved him across the pond. We've promised him, we've told him to be patient for six months in, in his first spell. He was. We told him that we'd let him go. We'd say, you know, we would remain at St. Etienne for, for the first period of his contract, which, which he did. He performed very, very well for St. Etienne. Yeah, he had a few injuries, but he performed well. We then bring him back to the club again with this idea that we're going to integrate him into the squad over the summer. He's going to do pre-season. Okay, again, COVID hits, so you, you know, you can't have foreseen that, but these were the things we told him. And then we basically just went back on all of that. The manager changed, the, the boardroom changed, the people that made these promises, one of them being Raul Sanya, he'd left the club, fair enough. 
Edu being another one has just sort of essentially because he's 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 gone so far in backing Mikel Arteta that that he's forgotten the promises that he's made to other players and Saliba being the prime example of that and one thing I have a real real issue with and I'm quite glad I'm not on Twitter for this because I imagine I imagine the I told you so's are already out in force of going well is he really was he really even that good everybody was ready to see this kid play and anybody who's actually watched him play put your hands up will tell you this kid is going to be brilliant and he's going to play very very well and we're going to look very very stupid if we end up selling him for less than his market value or we don't bring him back to the club and it's not a knock on Rob Holding at all because he's done brilliantly, but we couldn't have done worse than chucking him in alongside Gabriel for the start of the season and seeing where it went, or at the very least having him in the squad, integrating him properly, giving him Europa League and um, Carling Cup games and, and giving him that opportunity. And and again, I know people say, oh, you know, he was appalling in that practice match. Who cares? Who cares if somebody's crap in a practice match? I literally couldn't give a toss. And, and do you blame the kid? He's barely played and you throw him into a, a practice match behind closed doors, basically tell him, you know, perform well today, mate, and you might be in the first. It's a lot of pressure on, on a kid that, that we've, we've, we've messed around and we've, we've fucked with his career for nine months and given him all these false promises and now we've pulled the rug out from under him. So I'm, I'm really pleased for him as, as a footballer that he's going to get game time. He'll probably make his knees debut tomorrow night, which I'll keep a close eye on. Is he the finished article? Nope. Is he going to make mistakes? Yep. Well, so does Wesley Fofana at Leicester. And you don't see the Leicester play, Leicester fans going, oh, he's a bit shit, or oh, don't think we should play him. You get, you know, Ryan Ake Nuri at Wolves, another one. You've got, you've got to, if you're going to bring in these players, you've got to invest in them. And I, I'm just, I, I think we've made a real, a real cock up with this one. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, and I worry that we're not, we're not going to get what we paid for him back. No way. And if we and, and and this this party line of that Edu came out with, you know, he's going there to to get playing time, and we see our future in him. Well, okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but prove that because I don't think we'll see him back at the club. I think come the summer he'll be gone, probably for about seven or eight million quid, and and I would not be at all surprised if he pitches up at a very big club in about two to three years when he's done his you know and he's done his apprenticeship, if you will. Um, and he may well end up at Nice for another year or so. And then he'll be another one of those players, you know, that we ship out on loan for another, it'll be another Joel Campbell, ship out for another year, another year here, another year there. And then, you know, he'll either go for big money and he'll, and he'll do very, very well. And we're just going to look stupid. Um, so, yeah, sorry, a bit of a rant, but I, I just, I don't think he's been given a fair shake of the whip. And, you know, I do, I do, I do hold Arteta a bit accountable on some of this because I don't think he's been fair on the lad, and I think he's, uh, I think he's made his mind up far too quickly just because of the friends that that Saliba might have. If you catch my drift on that one, yeah, I think it's an issue in terms of um, who people are friendly with, should we say, in football. So whilst we're saying that you know Saliba is friends with Guendouzi. And there's that history there. I think the other thing from Arteta's point of view, I think it could go right back to when we signed Saliba, Arteta wasn't even our manager, wasn't even in the thoughts of anybody that would be changing from playing three at the back. So at that time, yeah, we need centre-backs in. So having 
seven centre backs on your books isn't necessarily a problem because you're going to be rotating in batches of three instead of batches of two, uh, especially when you have a manager who isn't as concerned, shall we say, on which foot the player in the back line plays with dominantly. Uh, when we then bring in Mikel Arteta, see, he starts with three at the back, but quickly you know he's going to want to move to playing two at the back. But we haven't lost any centre-backs in that point. In fact, we've gained them in a slightly different way because we've reduced the number of players he will play on the left side of that defence. He will only play Gabriel there. He will only play Pablo Mari there. And if both of them are dead, he will play David Luiz. That's it. If not, he will even fold back and play three at the back and play Kieran Tierney on the left-hand side of that three-man defence because he wants that left-footer in there. So then the poor kid comes in, realises he's got Rob Holding in front of him, Callum Chambers in the dress in the injury uh, or medical centre, who, uh, like it or lump it, unfortunately is established at the club and is probably going to get a viewing from the manager before he does or get a chance because senior players. And then you've got, and I go through the senior players, Mustafi, David Louise, and you've got Socrates in there. So that's five players that are all ahead of this kid at the moment on not footballing quality because football, you know, we all know players don't necessarily get in the starting 11 because they're the best player at the club. There's also that experience that comes in there. And whilst I don't know if Arteta did do the background on Saliba, watch the games for him. Probably not. But again, he's got a score of 33. He's got a fuck ton of players to look through. He knows Socrates isn't for him because he's had that time with him. And for some, by hoof by crook, Mustafi drags himself out of horrific form and just being unplayable for us to somehow having a rotational uh, need or you know getting to that position in the squad. Rob Holding, again, another player that we thought would probably come out the door, has also shown this great run of form. He's been converted from playing on the left side of uh, defence to the right-hand side. And I think you said before as well, we don't begrudge Rob Holding for being in that position. And I think we'd all say Saliba should be rotating with Rob Holding. But he's also got to deal with the fact that these... He's got to be giving someone like Mustafi and David Luiz a bit of game time. No. See, that's where I completely disagree. I think they cause such a problem in the dressing room if they're not playing at all. Tough. The, so, so so does Socrates, who we didn't even name in our squad. No, exactly. And, then, and that that's and that's why sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to cut across you there. That's all right. But that, that this 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 is this is where I have mm. this beef. We're talking about in the summer going out and signing a right side of ten and a half. Mm. Um, okay. How how long did it take us to find Gabriel? How long have, have we, have, as Arsenal fans, how long have we been saying, oh, what we could do with it's a decent, high-quality centre-half who's who's both young, athletic, has sell-on value and has potential? And we stumbled blindly into Gabriel. None of us, me included, you know, mm. saw him at Lille and thought, yeah, decent player. Did I think he was quite ready for Arsenal first team? No. I thought, it would, I thought Saliba would get more chances than he would initially, if I'm completely honest. But he's come in and he's been brilliant. So you've got that. 
and uh, you know he's in he's done he's through the door we have four center halves who are no longer going to be part of this squad in less than six months so Kratis, david luis will, will go in the summer I'm, I'm pretty sure on that uh, or at the very least we'll have a reduced contract uh, mustafi and one of Callum Chambers or Pablo Marie, because there's no way you can keep them all happy. And and for me, Callum Chambers is far better as a as a, a holding midfielder anyway. Personally, I, I would have him sort of further up the pitch if I could, or have him as backup in that position. So this is my beef. Like it, it's not like the Urzel situation where there's been so much gone on and there's so much cloud and all. This is just a kid. If you you, you don't like him hanging out with Gunduzi. Okay, no problem. You ship Gunduzi off to Hertha Berlin, right? Well, we've done that. Um, he's now playing out of his skin, by the way. So you ship him off to Hertha Berlin, and then you say to Wesley, uh, to, to William Saliba, right? Okay, you know, we, we felt that he was a bad influence on you. Felt that he was a distraction. We we still want to invest in you, so we're going to give you this playing time. He's been playing very well in, in the in the U twenty three games. So you know, we we keep banging on about the fact we waste money in the transfer window. And we've got all these players on high contracts and we're spending all this money on, on players that we don't need and players we can't get rid of. And now we're pushing out one of the, the highest potential players we've got at the club before he's even had a chance to prove he's good enough. And, and, and for what? To go out and spend money on another centre-back in the summer who may not be anywhere near as good. You it's know? just weird, isn't it? Because at least Guendouzi got... like I know most of his starts or playtime already were established under Emery but Arteta did play him for a bit like he's not even yeah. given Saliba a chance and, I, yeah. and I'm not as invested in a young French player as you are but it is just it's just a, a weird one really it's, it's wh- wh- whichever way you spin it it's a failure it's either a failure that you've let down a young player who could potentially be good or even like, like I know you're leaning, to, leaning towards more him going on and becoming a great player at a good team we're going to look like idiots but even if he doesn't, you spend quite a lot of money on a young kid. Didn't even play the fucker. Send him mm. out. And if he doesn't make it, then that's just a waste of 20 million. You don't even yeah. try to see if it was even a good purchase. It just doesn't. It, it's just a really bad bit of business. And we've sat on this podcast and I praise the business of getting Glasnatch out. But this this is more of the same from Arsenal, really. Buying players that bad either business. we don't use or don't want. Mm. Or just really? not really giving them a chance to develop into what, like, that at some point, somewhere, someone at this club, a scout or a manager or whoever or both, have thought, this looks like a good player that we can put a lot of money. We can't let him go to Tottenham. We're going to put a lot of money down and get this player in and develop mm-hmm. him. And then, well, in the space of a year and one, well, he, alone where he got injured, but he still featured, didn't he, at St. Etienne before he got injured. Mm. And then, again, the whole fucking debacle about not letting him play in the final, like, fucking hell. That makes where it works. We can play the fucker after anyway. So you can sort of tie it with, oh, yeah, maybe not play him because you want to use him. We don't want him to be injured. But then Mm. we're not using him anyway. So who cares? He gives a shit if he gets injured. Again, I'm not not having a go at Arteta, but this is the same manager who pushed to sign William, Mm. you know, who who is now judging how good a a, a young player. Like, I I think that the the small problem that, that Mikel does have. And and again, you know, I, I know a few people seem to think I've got it in for him. I really don't. Like I'm I'm happy as happy as anybody that we've turned our four around and and I'll repeat again for the hundredth time. I hope it works out for him. But I do think he still has an awful lot to learn as a manager and player management and not being stuck in your ways are two of the biggest things he has to learn. 
because we're, we're going to be having this conversation about Pepe in the summer. I'll tell you that for nothing. We're going to be having that conversation because, yeah, Martinelli's coming in and has done brilliantly. Uh, Smith Rowe has done brilliantly. Saka on the right has done brilliantly. But that's created another problem now because now he's just not going to use Pepe. He didn't use him much before. Again, you know, whether, like you said before, Josh, the 72 million quid, yeah, we're paying it off in instalments. We're still going to have to pay 72 million quid. And if we put him on the open market this summer, we will not get a penny more than 25 at absolute max for a player who still arguably, I think, has a massive future, but only if you let him do what Saka's been doing, which, by the way, he never did. You know, Saka's a brilliant young talent, but he still makes, you know, he, he still tries things. And he's At least Pepe is getting gate or getting occasional gate. I mean, he is featuring yeah. occasionally. Saliba literally that, got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I wonder how much of that with Pepe was about the club saving face and you know basically having no other options. But yeah, I take you know I take your point there. But it, I, I just the, I would say on Pepe, there's something wrong with him as well as the player. That is not the player from Lille. He's not. No, no, he's not. Imagination. He's not. He's not He's not even trying to do the things, you know, even outside of managers' instructions, there's still stuff that naturally that player would be doing mm. if he was happy at the club or the system you know, is, settled. Is not, it's yeah. not necessarily the system. You know, we saw Saka, uh, I'll go back to you know, just the last time I can think of a player doing it for us, against Brighton where Saka turns down burn. Pepe's got that in his locker. Arteta's mm-hmm. not telling Pepe not to do that. And that's a very simple part of Pepe's game that he has mm-hmm. got. But you don't see that from him. No. And it's that kind of fire in the belly that seems to have... And I don't he's, want he's to tire not, him with the same brush. It's the the Malcolm. Mm. Uh, he's not got Arsenal in his blood, has he? But Saka has. No. Saka would fight for the badge. But then Martinelli yeah. would, and he hasn't got Arsenal in his, in his blood. So no. I do so get sure it. Like but... Has Pepe... He's got his big move, that kind of thing. Mm. And he's just stagnated a bit inside himself because what is there for him to fight for? He's never been trusted. It's also a lot of pressure. Like, like 72 million, Mm. regardless of his installment. If you're a player, you're like, fuck me, they've spent 72 million Mm. on me. I've got to perform. I've got to do well. And that's going to affect him. And like you said, he's still very young. He's still... Very early and, on in and, career. And it's our fan base as well. Let's not let's not get that twisted. It's our fan base. Mm. You don't hear the same discussions being had about Donny van der Beek, who was one of Ajax's best players since Frankie de Jong, who signs for Manchester United for massive money and can barely make their bench. Mm. You don't hear Man United fans giving it, you know, I don't like Man United fans like anybody, but you don't see their fan base losing their shit over every little decision that Solskjaer makes by not picking him, well, do you? Yeah, because they're doing free Donny, but you might have missed that. Hashtag oh, free Donny. Okay, hashtag, hashtag free Donny. <laughs> I mean, I'd uh, take him in a heartbeat in our midfield. Or yeah. like that, oh, absolutely. So they're, yeah. They're, we know, if you look at the long term, you know what they're doing. Van der Beek is Pogba's gone in the summer and yeah, uh, yeah. he's Pogba replacement. Yeah, true. Uh, they've brought him in a season early. In terms of what we're doing with Nicolas Pepe, it's so just, difficult. Just because losing it, money. Yeah, we've... <laughs> And he's helping that as well because he's not doing anything when we give him the give him the you know the option on the field to really do anything. His natural quality gets him through in the Europa League, but when he needs to show some kind of industry or show some kind of you know the stuff that I know we don't play to his entire playbook, but there's some of his playbook that he could be using at Arsenal that he's not. 
I don't think he, about he doesn't feel the love, does he? I, I don't. I don't. No. I don't. I, th I think he. I think he knows what all the fans are now very clearly know that Arteta doesn't fancy him. That, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's the long and short of him. I can tell you how good a player he was in France. You know, yeah. you can look at your own clips and see how play. And and I still think he would have a future Arsenal, but only if he's deployed the right way. And you only look at clips though, and like we, me and Josh share a WhatsApp group with some guys that we play FIFA with, and Chris Lodato from the pod, but like a montage from YouTube in there. And so many of his goals were coming from Central. He obviously had like a lot more freedom to run. Mm -hmm. Whereas, rightly or wrongly, again, this is Arteta's first proper job as a manager. He seems very strict in his positions and you more often than not will see Pepe on the far right, literally on his, on his own, on his toes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Bellerin yeah. might come a bit close to him. And it's just, you're not going to get that mm -hmm. performance out of a player playing with half a pitch. Because he's no. touch, 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 touch. I think the thing with Pepe is his delivery is so good over a longer range that that's why we kind of keep him isolated in that way. From when I was watching a lot of kind of the goals and his assists, there's not a huge amount of you know tippy tappy interplay on there. It's very aggressive runs from him, and he's playing a one-two off another person who's doing that. He's yeah. not the one that the ball comes into him, and he's laying it off for a Bamiyang. Hmm. No, he is the Abamyang in that situation. And, and also, he doesn't have that player in the Arsenal midfield either, does he? There isn't no. that player to do and, that. And the Lille midfield was made was made for him to go and express himself. Hmm. If anything, like you said, personally, he didn't really play centrally for Lille, but he would drift into that area hmm. because essentially what Lille did is they put three midfielders to do the hard work. Xhaka uh, was was one of them um, who would just sit at the base of the, the midfield. And then they had this this attacking. They didn't have a, a, a sort of four three three. They just had three forwards: Jonathan Bomber, Victor Osimhen, and 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 Pepe. Who essentially, Galtier would just say to them, "Just just go, just just play, just express yourself." And one minute you'd see Bomber on the left, then you see him on the right, then you see Pepe centre forward, then you see Pepe right. They, they just constantly intertwine. And and Osimhen was the one who got the majority of the goals because Pepe's danger and, and speed and, and aggression at getting from one box to the other in terms of counter-attack would often draw defenders away. Whereas now, I think in the Premier League, he's easy to defend against because all the defenders that play against us know that he hasn't got that creative licence to, to drift. Whereas at the Europa League, for whatever reason, probably the standard of opposition in fairness, but he almost is freed up. It's almost like Arteta's sort of system. And, and actually, you know... Well, and that's the thing that I kind of annoys me with the player is he doesn't show that aggression it's that not it's not his personality no yeah we, we've signed the wrong player we've seen we see it's like aggression as a personality or aggression on the field mm. you know we're just talking about how aggressive he is on the ball and how he'd run at players and he seems to have not got that and yeah. whether or not it's it's not always system it's the belief in himself can he get past these guys oh that's, that's massive yeah, yeah yeah i agree and with I that he's, he's only in his confidence I don't think he feels like if he comes up against, uh, you know, a Ben Chilwell or Andy Robertson, he doesn't feel like he can get past them. Mm. It's that mental confidence block. Is, confidence it's a confidence is shot. And, and, and wouldn't your confidence be on the floor if you knew that William was going to get picked ahead of you every single week when he literally does the sweet Jesus of fuck all? Well, I, mean, I think that depends. I'd say on William and uh, Pepe's, they, I've never seen a time where Willian started over Pepe on the same side that Pepe played as. If you go back into it. 
I'm thinking if you can find it, starting spot. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know what yeah, you mean. if you find it, William has never started over Pepe um, for Arsenal. I think William has started over other players, but it's not Pepe. Mm. Uh, I think Pepe has, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to say we don't play to the system, I think the he hasn't helped himself in this situation either. I think it's. I think, I think he's almost uh, playing. He's playing like a player who knows he hasn't really got a future as well, which uh, it's sad. Yeah, and I know we started on Saliba, but it's 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 the same. Well, yeah, same and situation. You know, I think I can take it to another player as well who is rumored to be coming back to us. I don't think it's confirmed yet from Atleti, and that oh, is Lucas Torreira. Little well, Lucas. This- I've got some info on this, but carry on. No, I'm going to pass it over to Shoot. you because you've got <laughs> more on little Lucas than I do. Um, well, it, yeah, it, It's just that I alluded to it earlier on in the pod that um, Atletico Madrid have signed uh, Jeffrey Condobbia this evening mm-hmm. and that has, has gone through. Uh, forgive me, I don't know how many appearances Lucas has made for Atleti, but um, they play in the same position. And uh, I sent a little a little WhatsApp to somebody uh, about half an hour ago and just said, is there anything in this Lucas deal? And he said very much so, yes. So it sounds like there is a possibility that we might look to bring him back. And again, that would make sense because um, mm. if you look at the, if you look at Shaka, El Nene and Partey, who all play in that position, Tobias is a different type of central midfielder. They all offer us very similar things, don't they? Big, tall, strong, aggressive, uh, you know, physical presences. Torreira is more what sort of, you know, the Ganduzi style of play or arguably the Ceballos, the player who's going to sort of weave in and out of that midfield and, and you know, right. make some spaces, receive the ball and 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 make some, you know, more athletic, if you like. Xhaka and El Nene are not particularly athletic and, and Partey is, but more in a Vieira mould than, uh, than a sort of smaller, nippier, creative um, destroyer, if you will. So, mm. yeah, as I say, not saying it's definite, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we. How many times has he played? Do we know? Uh, well, Kadopia came in on the third of November because he was the player that they got once we did party. That's right. Yeah. So you it was, it, was a, given, it came they, in. They, they just couldn't they actually were, get him until till the transfer window opened in January. That's right. Uh, isn't no, it? I thought he played for them. I thought he's been know. playing for Atleti. I think he's played twelve games for them. I thought he'd come straight in because you know uh, the league have the weird rule where you can bring people in. Um, Yeah, yeah, he has played. Oh, not many minutes though. Looking at it, Uh, looking match day nine is his first game for. uh, Uh, Okay, so they they rubber stamped the permanent deal. Then I'm guessing is that. So did they do a loan deal? No, it's the weird. What is it? Um, What does we need, Joel? Isn't it? Yeah, it's where we need Joel. It's the one where you know how they got Martin Braithwaite in. Uh, yes. Oh, the emergency. You can, the, it's the emergency transfer that you get your little Joker, and they played the Joker uh, cards after okay. we got Partey because we didn't give because we enough them. time for them to get enough get a um, a new signing in. So La Liga give them two weeks to then get yeah. someone from another La Liga side. Which seems odd because then surely Valencia then get two weeks to get someone and it continues forever. Yeah, it just, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Until the next so transfer if, window, where just a player keeps moving around. But so if they uh, if they've made that permanent, then that mm-hmm. means that we that that I guess that means so if they've taken Kadobi on a permanent basis now, mm-hmm. then because Torreira's made six appearances, I don't know whether he's yeah. been injured, but that says to me that he's not particularly in favour. He was meant to be 
uh, little Lucas was meant to part, uh, meant to partner Partey, or that was the right. um, idea that they'd had. That's what I'd heard anyway. Uh, so we can but, do that now, then. <laughs> if we bring it back. Yeah, do it exactly. <laughs> we, can now, we can now do what Simeone wanted to do um, yeah. and partner them together. I wonder if um, uh, a certain German that we have spoken about already leaves the club that Torreira is more inclined to stay. Mm, yeah, maybe. Um, as their relationship isn't the best. Uh, so I would, I would wonder if that's... Something would you would both come. have it back? I would. I think Lucas... The problem is Emery broke him. Mm. He's not the player you saw under Emery. He was the player at Sampdoria. He was the player you saw for Uruguay. He is not the box-to-box guy. The box-to-box guy for Uruguay is uh, Bentacur and Nate Nandez. And then they had, I forget, um, who was in the number 10 role for them. It's off my head. But anyway... Lucas is one kind of anchoring, but he's the kind of shuttler, a bit like Kante, that kind of role. That he's going to go in, destroy, put his body on the line, do that. His biggest issue is he's not aerially that great. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Premier League, or for him in the Premier League, that's something a defensive midfielder, unless you're Kante levels of interceptions, yeah. you're going to need to be good at. You need to be good at the air, or you need defence behind you that is good in the air. I think maybe we might have that now that we've got Rob Holding and Gabriel. And the way we play under Arteta is we're controlling more of the possession. He's very good in the kind of tempo. He's got a great range of long passing as well, so can pick people out. He's a good option instead of Granite Xhaka, put it that way. Yeah. Um, but whether or not he's just said, you know what, I'm I'm done with Arsenal... I just need a clean break. I think that's what going to Atleti was going to be for him. And if he goes, right, it hasn't worked in Spain, hasn't worked in England, I'm going to play super safe now and I'm going to go back to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. That might be his his one. And that's a player that I think we've got a group of players out at the moment that we're trying to fatten up for a sale that I don't necessarily trust will get the figures we want for them. A bit like Saliba. That if that's the only option we're at now is fattening him up for sale, don't think we'll get the fee we want for him. Again, Lucas Torreira with the other one, and Guendouzi. Yeah. I don't think we get the fee that Gwendoz- that we deserve for Guendouzi because of the market. Uh, I don't think he has a future at the club, but in the same instance, you still want to get a decent fee for him and what he's worth. Yeah. And I'm not too sure we do. Um, but we've done through outgoings. We've done the incomings. I think, oh, no, sorry. There is one other outgoing and I'm not sure how breaking it is of Eddie and Ketia or how much we are in the rumor mill because I haven't seen many of the rumors, but it's also a couple of questions we have. Uh, if I can quickly find who asked some of these questions, yeah, James Halson asked Eddie or Balogun. Uh, we have got, Another one for Eddie in here somewhere. Phil Macker is asking about Eddie and Ketia and Balogun in the same way. You know, I even put a tweet out going about Balogun. You know, we've got to make sure we clear the decks for him if he's going to stay. So, Ellis, what are your thoughts on Eddie and Ketia? Uh, do you see him having a future uh, or at the club? 
And what do you think about Balogun? Should we be making sure he can get uh, he can get game time because where we failed other youngsters? Um, I for me, I'm a bit done with Eddie Nketiah. Really, I just, is a good backup. I'd rather give Balogun the chance. I've seen Balogun play a couple of times in Europa League now this season. I think he looks like a good prospect someone who's going to need game time someone who could be off and we could miss out on another good youngster if he doesn't get game time and I think Eddie Nketiah has had plenty of chances he's had a good loan well, wasn't really, was it a good loan at Leeds I don't think it was was it no uh, I, would, I would say uh, he scored a few goals didn't he? I don't think he was massively successful I don't think it really changed him as a player <laughs> Eddie bottled his loan at Leeds let's put it that way politely alright we'll go with that then bottled his loan at Leeds uh, Mm. <laughs> yeah, but he's just—he's he, just not Arsenal quality. I think he's a good little finisher inside the box. Um, I know he's got an incredibly good record for England um, at the youth levels, but just for me, like I'd rather give someone else a chance. I think he's had ample opportunities to break into this team, and with the form of. Lacazette and Aubameyang it's not like he's gone in yet I can take this position now it's not really stamped that position and I think potentially we could get like I think Chris mentioned in pre-pod or was it we've been talking for so long I can't tell if it was on the podcast Mm -hmm. or when we were talking before it Um, but potentially Wolves are linked with a 20 million move for him I'd bite the hand off 20 million for Eddie and Ketter yeah easily reinvest that in someone else keep Balogun give him more game time and then potentially come summer Decide on what we're going to do with Lacazette and whether we need to get someone else in or not. Like, I just, for me, Eddie and Ketter, we we could do better. I think personally. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Chris, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I need uh, there was something that you said about uh, my comment about his loan. Yeah, no. I, I by the way, I've just just checked with um, just checked with the same person about the. Uh, yeah, you're right. November was when the permanent transfer came through, um, but the the ratification's been done in this this window. Apparently, uh, that's really confusing, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, and and yeah, he has said apparently the Torreira thing. It's the player that's keen to come back. Mm. So that's interesting, isn't it? So there you go. You heard it here first, Collings. <laughs> um, yeah. So in Katia, I'm with Ellis on this one, hundred percent, hundred percent. I. Um, I, I, I can't. This is going to sound really crap, but I can't explain what it is that just doesn't convince me. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I genuinely don't know what it is. I just feel like if if Nketia was starting every week for for Burnley, for Newcastle, for I always say Everton, think of someone new, someone in that ilk, I'd be like, yeah, that's his level. You know, mm. like I couldn't imagine Dominic Calvert Lewin at Man United. You know, not because he's not a good player, but he I just feel like Everton's his level. And and I know that's really arrogant because we're whatever we are in the table, twelfth or whatever we are, but we are a massive club. Let's not let's not mess around here. And I just feel that Eddie's got he's kind of only really got one skill, and that is popping up in the penalty area and scoring from ten yards, which ironically we spent years trying to find, didn't we? You know, the fox in the box. And now we've kind of got one and we're trying to ship him out. It's it's not that I don't like him, I do, but I don't think I feel like his sort of striker, I think Balogun has a lot more potential. Whereas I feel like Eddie 
Um, do you remember when Francis Jeffers was breaking records for England under 21s when he was like 26? You know, <laughs> like, it feels a bit like that with Eddie. It feels like mm. he's he's always going to have that England under 21 record because he's been playing for them for so long. And at that level, he'll always get goals. But I, I just feel like at the very top level, I he just does there's something there that just doesn't quite convince me. And again, I hope I'm wrong, like I really do. But if we were, if we like paint the scenario, Alex Lacazette says, actually, do you know what? I quite fancy him return to Leon in the summer. Okay, no worries. He goes for ten million, and we start next season with Aubameyang and Inketia as backup. Would you be happy with that? I wouldn't be. But if I said to you, we'll start next season with with Aubameyang, say Edson Odwards and Florian Balogun, I'd be like, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm cool with that. We've got a player who's on the up in Edward, who's you know established and has done it, you know, albeit in Scotland, but has done it at a good level, and played for France under 21s, and is a consistent goal scorer. And then you've got Balogun, who's still learning and, and is going to be training with the first team every every you know every other day. Then you've got two options. But if you're saying I'll give you Enketia and Balogun, to me you've got play, two players on a very similar level, but one with a trajectory like that, and one with a trajectory of sort of there. You know, yeah. and again, I, a trick pony. I think Balogun can play so many different roles, and he just looks like a silky, a silky technical player. Whereas Eddie just, uh, Balogun looks like a man. Eddie and Ketty looks still like a little boy. When I yeah, that's it. Yeah, he, he sort of <laughs> reminds me of like a. He sort of reminds me. Like, I've already mentioned him once tonight, like a Chris Kiwomia. You know, a guy who's yeah, he might have might have done well at Ipswich, but he was never an Arsenal player. You know, and maybe that's harsh, but. I, th- I just think twenty million. You've you've got to you've got if that's what's on the on the table, then you know. I think it's the. Uh, I think I was going to describe it. The word I would use, and I think the word we're kind of all looking for is aura. And Ketia doesn't yeah. have an aura around him. No. You know, Lacazette is bigger than his shape. No, it's not just the mince pies. It's the he's got that something about him. Again, Abamyang has got that when he's on the field. He is larger than life especially when he's doing well. It's that kind of arrogance or uh, whatever you want to call it. Balogun, as soon as he stepped on that field, you felt something, something completely intangible, something completely irrational, and you have no reason to justify it as why they're the better player. But there is something um, in there. I have no idea what it is, but it's something I think we can all feel and we should push through it. Um, for me, I thought the weakest part of Nketiah's game was his build-up play. And to be successful at Arsenal, irrespective if your only thing, your main goal or main ability is scoring from less than 10 yards. You know, what's his longest, I think his furthest goal he scored for us is 12 yards out in Nketiah. And he's got, uh, I think Danny had given us the stats on Nketiah. He scrolls back fervently whilst filling time 57 games 12 goals uh 33 of those uh appearances in the premier league four goals there and yeah all of them in the penalty area very short distances that he's getting them from it's something that whilst that's great we need a bit more from somebody it's a bit like when alexis was scoring all those goals in his final season great he was giving providing us 20 goals but if he'd looked up past it and was less selfish, we'd have 40 goals. And I think that's the same with Enketia, is that it's great what he's giving us when he's scoring, but when he's not doing anything 
he presses well, but that's just about it. You know, pressing and scoring from 10 yards out is great, but we, and if after, you know, the great run of form we're in, as much as we've shouted the praises of Saka, uh, Smith Rowe, and Martinelli, we've also got Lacazette, who ties those three together, is a sounding board for them. And you can see in the move that we all lauded the second goal against West Brom, who's key to that? You might say it's, you know, Smith Rowe because he's the guy that puts the final ball in and starts the move with the kind of dynamism and the agility. But that ball into him comes from Lacazette. And that's what we kind of need in there is we need a player to do that. Can I see Nketiah doing that? Those kind of neat touches in and around the corner? He hasn't got that in his game. He hasn't got it in his game. And he needs to play as well. He's at the age where he needs to be in the first team every week, doesn't he? (laughs) You know, yeah. and, and and wolves are wolves are quite useful at, at buying highly rated teenagers for fastly inflated price tags who aren't really good enough. See Fabio Silva. So you know, all we need to do is just just maybe change Eddie's passport to Portuguese, and we're rocking. But um, well, I think that's a, that's a thing as well with the option for Eddie is he becomes homegrown next season, so wolves will be all over that. And the thing I've noticed about Fabio Silva, he can get in the positions. He can bring in Neto. He can bring in Podence, but he can't finish chances off. No, he should never. If you stick an Nketiah next to him, that's a great partnership. It's a player I was going to say was Kevin Phillips. Yeah. He's got a bit like that, but he needs an Earl Quinn to really show what he's got. Yeah, And I think that needs a partner in there and he's not going to get that at Arsenal because Aubameyang isn't going to create a partnership with him. Because Aubameyang wants to create the partnership with the, you know, more selfless guy. And Eddie isn't selfless. No. Lacazette's already got his partner. He's going to partner with everybody. He's fine. But Lacazette also plays in, the, in Ketia's position. We're not going to play both of them together. You know, we tried that. It didn't work. So, yeah, I think it is a case of, I wish him all the best. But he's not, he could be Arsenal quality in terms of the number of goals he produces. But I would never wish him necessarily coming back in the kind of role as first team striker and you made a great point about english premium because mm. with the brexit deal and everything you know he's going to make more money we'll sell him for more now than we would have done a year ago um and and you look at like that west brom team for example you could imagine him going in there couldn't you you know like like yeah. the lad went from west Hatburn, dean garner like you could imagine him being a west brom center forward every week but i can't i can't just can't see him as a centre forward for Arsenal every week. You know, if he if he went to Forest or Bristol City or I'd be like, yep, that would make perfect sense to play every week. But for us, I just it's a bit a bit a little bit to me like Tammy Abraham never mm. convinced that he's good enough to play up front for Chelsea. He's he's nowhere near good enough to be playing ahead of Giroud, but I'll leave that for my own time. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, surprise. But, but he's not, you know, he's he's nowhere near he's not positionally aware. He misses far too many chances. His movement isn't anywhere near as good. Like where Bristol City, when he was in the championship, you'd have seen him plenty there, Josh. Like he looked quality because he was yeah, playing. Yeah, I watched him at Villa as well. I saw him live a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, in the flesh, he's a great championship level. Um, yeah. But to bring some of the French bias away, he also shouldn't be playing ahead of Timo Werner no. in that kind of position either. No. Uh, or Kai Havertz or any of the players they've got there. And one thing I would like before we move, I hand over to you, Chris, for questions would be 
talking about the kind of, you know, we've been bemoaning about how we've got all these players stacked up on big contracts that we can't get rid of and that how we seem so bad at selling. And Ketty has got less than 18 months left on his deal and we're selling him. That kind of tells you that whilst we've been shit in the last four years, the tide might be turning and these are the kind of deals we want to look at uh, that we are looking to move players out now a little bit earlier. I think yeah. Kalasinic, if we could have done a permanent deal, I think from his point of view, Schalke are on the edge. He's not the player that necessarily is going to be directly influencing whether or not they stay up. Yeah. He's just a cog in the team as a left wing back. You know, If a striker goes there, they've got a bit more confidence in their ability and might yeah. sign for 18 months. Yeah. But for him, I think... Yeah, we are looking now at those next stages and Rob Holdings, another player, we're looking to extend his contract rather than, you know, maintain that value. And I kind of sit it with the Cedric deal as well. Cedric isn't going to be here after the next summer. You know, we're going to go through this summer. He'll be here another season and we're selling. I wouldn't be surprised. We get rid of a Bellerin, maybe, and someone yeah. younger comes in and yeah. then we'll go with that and we'll see him through. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind him. I don't mind, I don't him mind Cedric either. I think he's a great player. player isn't it? It's a bit like uh, Pablo Mari. Pablo Mari is a great squad level player. And if he wants a squad role, then it's perfect. It's like El Nenny. You know, we could, these are going to be the kind of players that you don't covet from any top four side, but you know you need them. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think Pablo Mari actually might surprise a few people. I think, surprised, I think he surprised a lot of people because yeah. nobody really knew what he was coming from. I swear half the uh, half the fan base still think he's Brazilian. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, I, I just, what I like about him is, is he's, I mean, A, he's ridiculously handsome, which, you know, we've needed some better looking players in our squad for a long time. Um, but no, he he's, um, he's an old fashioned modern centre half, if hmm. you know what I mean by that. You know, he's a bit, Ruben Diaz has got a bit about him at Man City as well, that type of style. He's physical, you know, he, he's tall, but he's elegant, but he, he doesn't try and do anything above his level. His passing no. is fine. His heading is good. His positional sense is decent. His pace is fine. He's just all round fine. It's kind of the Martin Keown of the modern day. Not quite as good a marker yet, I'd have to stress, mm. but <laughs> I, I actually think he's, I actually think he might be a guy who long term might end up alongside Gabriel. Um, and that's nothing against holding, because uh, I, I think I think Rob will get plenty of opportunities, but I, I have a suspicion that, that a Gabriel and Mari partnership might be what Arteta was mm. was looking at all along. But obviously we needed to see how his how his injury fared. But yeah. I could be wrong. It, it's happened yeah. many times. I wonder I wonder how wed Arteta is to making sure that a left footer plays at the left side of centre back and a right footer plays on the right side of centre back, which as great as I think it is our best centre back pairing, doesn't fit the system. No. Of Mari and Gabriel. But anyway, I will pass over to you, Chris, to yeah. read out some of the questions. I know we've touched on them, some of them already, but if there are any others that yes. tickle your pickle. I'm sure we can find a few. Let's uh, let's give one to Ellis first of all. Uh, so I'm going straight from the top, Ellis. So some bloke called Cactus Cash. Sounds like a wrestler. Doesn't know who he is. Sounds like a Roman to me. Anyway, uh, considering all social media posts and the fact that he could never get a sniff of first team action, do you think Saliba will ever actually play for us? I know we touched on it earlier, but uh, 
Yeah. Do you think he'll ever play? Well, yeah, you touched it. I don't get a sniffing because you were good on your rant about a French Go player being mistreated. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really know, mate. I, you probably know more than me, so I tend to edge with your feeling. I just think he's just been so poorly treated by the club that I can't see him coming back. I, I hope he can come back. I hope he can be this player that you think he's got the ability to be. Um, but sadly, and I just, I just can't see it happening. Like like I said, either or, whatever really happens to this scenario, the club have sort of fucked it up royally. And I just can't, I, I can't see him come back to us. I think he'll either have a good successful loan at Nice or an average loan at Nice and then he'll he'll move on regardless of how well he performs there even if he completely tears up trees I think he's not going to want to come to us because well why would <laughs> he should give an opportunity time? yeah exactly yeah, why playing for coming back somewhere where you're not going to play exactly. I know there's a lot of the old stuff about him losing his parents and yada 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 but <laughs> still he should have had a chance or an opportunity at least and I don't think he got it and because he didn't get it I think he'll be another one that Another one that got away, Great White Buffalo, whatever they're called in that hot tub time machine film. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you on that one. Um, Sophie asked me along the similar lines, uh, am I doing okay with him going out on loan? And yes, Sophie, I am, just just because I'm really glad for him as a player. And uh, as much as I say, I know it's a double-edged sword because I don't want to see Arsenal, you know, ridiculed, but I hope, I hope we learn our lesson and I hope he does really well and, and makes us look rather silly. Um Phil Macker, I'll give you this one as well, Al, and then I'll go to uh, to Josh afterwards. Phil Macker, with Enketia and Balogun's situation, it reminds me of when we sold Andy Cole to Bristol City. Christ, that's a long time ago. Uh, because he believed that George Graham, uh, because George Graham believed Kevin Campbell would be the better player. Let's hope history doesn't repeat itself. I think that's a bit harsh on on Super Kev, but I get the point from Phil Macker. Do you, do you have that same same issue? Like if I said you, you can have one off Enketia or Balogun, like. Do you think Balogun is the one with more potential? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a bit too young to really remember that with Andy yeah, Cole. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, for me, Balogun's definitely got more potential. And, and not just from a point of view where I think he's, like you say, like he does seem that he's got a higher ceiling. I just think we've given enough chances to Eddie and Ketty and he hasn't quite grasped the opportunity. And I'd rather pass the baton on to someone else to have a chance and have a go. I, I just, like you said, I, I just look at Eddie Nketiah and he doesn't look physically like a proper striker to me. He doesn't, just doesn't, well, I, it might just be me being a bit harsh, but when I look at him, I don't think he's a Premier League proven striker that's kind of banging goals for one of the top six, top four, whatever. And I just look at him and I think, yeah, he could probably do like Ryan Brewster has done and gone off to one of the lower league teams and, and probably do all right, probably score a few goals, but I just think he's he's had plenty of opportunities. There was when he came on against Norwich in the whatever cup it's called now, Carabao Cup or whatever it was then. Um, banged in two goals from his one from his first touch and another one, and you thought, yeah, everyone's trying his name. You thought this guy's got potential, but he's that's two years ago now, or over two years ago, um, and he just hasn't taken the opportunity. So f- for me, I'd rather just hand it over to someone else to, to give a go. And from what I'm hearing, Balogun and what I've seen of Balogun, he, he looks like he's got the highest in. He looks like someone's going to improve. Whereas to me, I just think the, the trajectory of Eddie and Ket is just sort of plateaued a bit. It's just a bit flat. There's not really much going on. And he, I think he just needs to go get game time at a team that's more his level. 
yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, uh, and, and you know, as, as with all these things, we want to be proven wrong, don't we? Yeah. We, we sort of, we hope that. Well, I'd rather not, because if we sell him and he actually is good, then I'd definitely. Oh yeah, well maybe not. Yeah. Well, he's not proven wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Josh Famster from this very parish. Uh, just looking at the current situation, do you think the season ticket renewals? This is an interesting question, actually. Do you think the season ticket renewals that usually happen in June won't happen? Meaning Arsenal and others won't be spending spending like fans expect in the summer. I think that's a really good question because mm. one thing that we've always looked at with the Cronkies is um, they're notoriously quite, uh, shall we say, careful with their money to put it politely, mm. and they've only really ever spent what they knew we were going to be getting back. And as much as our shirts might be pretty again next season and our ridiculously funky uh, sideline gear will sell out. Um, without fans in the stadium, that's going to that's going to impact any budget Arteta has. So, what do you think about that? Uh, having received a um, season ticket renewal last April during lockdown one, not for our club but for another club, I would completely think that we will get season renewals as per the norm. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, it's not just going to be, oh, this is the Cronkies doing it. Every single club will be sending out in my mind, bar maybe one or two, even the good family clubs that you'd think they'd be better than that. will be sending out season ticket renewal stuff in the normal time that they do. Um, so yeah, I, I will kind of see our spending be diminished a little bit because yeah. of what's happened this season uh i think the stuff that we did uh well so this way there are some big deals that we made that aren't going to be like a burden for us next season so like the thomas Partey deal we're not paying that off installments that was one lump sum 50 mil that's gone so next season we've got less that we're paying off so maybe in the long run, we might be able to do something a little bit creative. We might have a bit more money than others around us necessarily, uh, unless they've had transfer bans in the last two years, in which case they've got a load of money still piled up and we'll just splurge it on everybody and every, anyone about. But I think we have been fairly sensible with what we've done with the money as well. So whichever budget we're at, and I think, ironically, it seems like the players we're linked with are, say, if Arteta at City was shopping at Waitrose, we're currently at Sainsbury's. Oh, I think we're lower than that. I think we're little uh, Audi. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're little Audi, but I think we're co-op. I think. We're, yeah, we might we're, be a bit co-op is expensive, mate. <laughs> yeah, but, it, yeah. but it's local. You don't have to travel to it. You don't have to so go out of your way to find it. Yeah. All right, Asda, we'll, we'll yeah. meet in the middle and we'll yeah, go Walmart because yeah. we'll, we'll keep the Cronky link as well. Keep, with keep Walmart. Link. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it's a bit more of an Asda, you know, Ferran Torres versus Buendia, uh, Brandt versus Kevin De Bruyne, Isco, they were linked with as much as we've been linked with Julian Draxler. It's a, uh, yeah, it seems like that at the moment. So, yeah, do I expect the club to be... Dropping a leaflet through your door in June? Yeah, because I expect every other club to be doing it as well. Let me um, slightly expand on that and ask a similar question to Ellis. If you you obviously work on the front lines in terms of 
caring for people that, that are experiencing the wonderful world of, of uh, COVID-19 at the moment. Yeah, where's my clap, by the way? Oh, you, uh, you, you've gone. Yeah, John, John will be <laughs> delivering it when he gets back <laughs> to the, from the clinic. Um, no, I just I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you, like, do you think because in, in my humble opinion, cynic, cynic with a capital sin, sins, Johnny sins. Um, don't Google that, people. Please don't, especially at work. I think this whole COVID situation, I don't think we're going to see a normal 2021. Like, I, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we'd go to the new year. Things will be a lot more normal before you know it. We'll all be off on holiday. I think I think we're still going to see a lot of what's going on now for many months to come. And I don't think we'll get back to anywhere near what people class as some form of normality until the very latter part of this year. And that's assuming that everything does go as is planned, which has already not happened, what, three times now. So with that in mind, if you think about this vaccine going out, the majority of football fans, I would imagine, Josh will probably know better than I would, but I imagine the age profile of most football fans in the modern era is somewhere in between sort of 18 to, to 43, 44, somewhere in that bracket. So not necessarily the bracket that are going to get the vaccines, therefore still going to be at risk. So even if we're able to get fans in stadiums, which even then I can't see us being anywhere near full capacity this calendar year, definitely not anyway, even if we're letting some in. Do you think the clubs might go down a different route, maybe in the summer, and say, right, now we need to go down this pay-per-view route, the TV route, you know, maybe exploit the TV, maybe go down the Amazon route where you're paying for individual games, where they can actually then, that sounds harsh, but exploit the fan base and actually charge for a season ticket, maybe not a grand for an executive box or a high seat, but they could maybe say to a fan, right, we want £500 where you can watch every Arsenal game and you can get all this, you know, access to all the player interview stats. Basically, you can watch anything you want from Arsenal, uh, but for a subscription fee, like in the old days. Do you think that may be the way they monetize it? Um, I can't see that happening just because I think the TV companies uh, and Amazon as well have got too much of a tight grip on all the games. I think it's going to be very difficult for individual clubs to get the rights to their games and sell them without having to sell them on to other subscription companies like your Amazons, like BT and Sky. And, and when they pay as much as they do to the Premier League, they're going to want sole rights to those games. So I personally, I can't see it happening. I'm not really sure how the the clubs are going to monetize anything extra out of the fans. Like you say, I, I don't trust our government to get this vaccine rolled out and sorted within the year. I think without getting too political, they've differed a lot over the last year and we're in the position we are because of less stricter rules at the right time and it's just difficult and I think it's a bit of a farce in my personal opinion that football's even still going ahead yep. don't get me wrong I like to watch football I'm not going to stop watching football whilst it's on but there's a lot of people out there that aren't football fans that are having to sit in if they're in England have to sit and can't see their friends or their family and can't do anything yet however many overpaid people can run around and do their hobby just because money talks essentially and they can get tests and they can isolate properly and they can run it sensibly but it's just a bit shit whether it will affect football in the summer I'm not sure from an Arsenal point of view I think there's going to be a lot of outgoings from us so that will hopefully give us a bit more cash to sign other players and I, I, I agree cynically with Josh I think they will roll out the season tickets they will charge the same price they always do some people probably will 
um, drop off the season ticket waiting list because they'll quite rightly think we're probably not going to get to any games, if any. Um, and they'll offer it to more people, but there will always be people on that list that want a season ticket, regardless if they know or they have high suspicions they're not going to get to the ground this year, but they'd rather get it because, like you said earlier, we are fan base-wise a massive club. It doesn't matter where we are on the table. A lot of people support us. A lot of people are desperate to watch us. But again, will it be this year? Probably not. Will we have a period again in September time when they try and roll back the fans? Yeah, probably, because the vaccine would have been rolled out. There'll probably be more measures put in place and we will see fans back in the stadium, but not to a full capacity. No way. Mm. Um, How they're going to try and make money, especially a club like Arsenal, where a lot of our revenue comes from match day revenue, a lot of our money is made that way, is probably going to impact us on the long term. But we've seen, and I didn't think I would see it, but we've seen the Cronkays dip their hand in their pocket to help us out when they've had to. And I think potentially, and they'll see that that way as well, they'll see them now the majority share, majority of owners, I should say, um, they'll see that they've got to put a bit more in to get a bit more out because of the financial situation we're in because of the pandemic. Yeah. But I, I can't see, if to answer your question, I, I can't see Arsenal or any other Premier League club being able to provide that sort of package. They might try something along the lines of um, maybe not the actual match on TV, but maybe a bit more sort of in-depth analysis for another post-match and pre-match shows with live commentary, but not with the actual picture of the football. Mm, yeah, something sort of like it used to be in the old days. The Arsenal online, you had to pay a subscription fee to, to be in it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. And on the match day revenue as well, something else that I think a lot of people have overlooked with every club in the Premier League is you think of the amount of overseas tourists that that literally fly in to see games. That's not especially be London games, game. especially exactly. Arsenal. People exactly. sometimes go to that club, not like flying solely to see Arsenal. They might be in London for the weekend, and it's a not a yeah. posh club, but a, a desirable place to go watch football. Yeah, our very own was planning to do that, of course, this time last year. We were talking about it the other day. So, um, yeah, it, it, that's going to affect people coming in and out of the country. So, yeah, some weird old times ahead. Uh, another one from Cactus for you, Josh. Um, we actually, I should just mention James Housen said about Eddie or Balogun, who should we keep, who should we sell? We've kind of covered that one. So, I just wanted to give James a mention. Um, Cactus has uh, brought up two other players that is worth mentioning. Uh, Josh, if you had to start either Willock or Nelson as a deal to bring in Buendia, um, what would you countenance that deal? Which one would you choose, Willock or Nelson? Um, uh, I think I might answer this one too quickly, Reese Nelson. I um, think that's the obvious choice. What's I think it's to him? Where's obvious. he gone? <laughs> Problem is, I think he's got a bit of the... Um, a little bit of the Salibas. You know, he wanted... Uh, well, Arteta had said, you know what, Reese, we've got a fuck ton of wingers at the club at the moment. And if you think to it, that again, simple, you've got two left wingers, two right wingers. You've got, what, Martinelli, Aubameyang on the left, Saka and Pepe on the right. Yep. Reese Nelson's not in that picture, so he's not going to get there. Then you've got Willian floating around, taking up, gobbling up everybody else's minutes. Uh, if he's uh, available. And, you know, he was offered to go out alone and he said, you know what, I'll stay and I'll fight for my place. Uh, I'll try and get into the squad, which fair play to him. He's tried that. But I think when you look at it in the cold light of day, he needs to get out there and move on. And we don't have right now in 
uh, you know, this time, this point of the uh, club, we don't have a huge amount of depth in central midfield and players that can play, you know, not saying that Willock is a number 10, but he has played a false nine role for us. So he understands roughly what's required and can play. He's played out on the right a little bit for Arteta. So he kind of does that interplay and kind of will understand that. Uh, Reese Nelson, for me, isn't uh, doesn't have that same kind of quality. That means he could play in central midfield, which at the point of an injury crisis, we're going to have, at least from somewhere, a winger available. If we have an injury crisis in central midfield, we're going to look stupid if Joe Willock isn't at the club. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think you're right. And I, I feel like... Uh... I feel like Willock still has a bit of growing to do, whereas Nelson, you'd, uh, I, I would, I think I would probably like to see him stay and, and be given a mm. shot. But time is against him. He's had a long spell without, uh, and again, he's got sort of Crystal Palace kind of written all over him to me. But still, <laughs> we shall see. Um, what else we got here for Ellis? Um, Funky Chris has sent in three questions. Shall we merge them all? We'll try and merge them all into kind of one monster question. They um, are all monster questions. And see where we go, yeah. So Ozil, Saka, Mustafi, Kill One. Oh, we'll save that one. Um, would you go down? Hang on. No, no, we'll save that one. <laughs> <laughs> This would be a horrible merge question if you did merge them. Yeah, it would be a horrible merge question. Uh, Leon will let Arsenal sign Hussein Wahar for £25 million, but on one condition. You smash Danny the GFP over the head with a banjo, do you do it? I mean, I'd smash Danny over the head with a banjo for free. Just just for that. Just like, can you imagine the sound that would make? I mean, I, I would do that for free. I wouldn't really need to worry about, about anything else. Um, any other objects anyone would hit Danny with? I mean, Ellis's banjo is probably prized to him because who else is he going to play uh, little tunes to outsiders on when they Very come true. in? Very <laughs> true. And you've got to think about these things, you know. So, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I would be I would be fine with hitting Danny over the head with anything. So I, I'm good with that. Um, ba -ba 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 -bum. Yeah, I might come back to Funky's other questions. Um, let's have another proper one, shall we? Sorry, Funky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that might be it. Is that it? Oh no, sorry. No, there's more in there. Jimmy and Stefan. Yeah, let's do Stefan's. What level would you put Europa League group stage as opponents? Um, is that affecting how Arteta views those performances? Ellis, what do you think to that? That's a good point, I think. Um, uh, that's a weird noise that I just made with my mouth. An interesting noise. <laughs> what level would you put our? Who are they again? I've forgotten. One was uh, that? Oh, it? Rapid, Rapid Vienna. Yeah. Dundalk. And. And. Uh, Thanks, Stefan. Good question. Moldy. Yeah. Moldy. Yeah. What level? Like from what? Like one to ten? Ten being like world class, one being. I think there's already quite a nice defined uh, system of leagues that you could drop these teams into if you want to use that <laughs> yeah. instead of one to ten. Or you could uh, you could compare them to like Premier League teams, couldn't you? You could maybe do that. Probably, probably not. <laughs> you probably need to dip into the Championship. Yeah, I. They are probably Championship or like probably even League One. Some of them, to be fair, right. Like, <laughs> I don't know what if that's affecting Arteta's views on it, but it's just it is what it is. We are in the second-rate European competition, and we will come. 
up against these people. Um, will we consider? Well, I don't know. What do you think with Arteta? Because we've not really seen him do it to a great deal. So when we start picking up the the Champions League dropouts in the knockout stages, do you think he'll stick with his teams that he has been playing, or do you think he's going to end up putting out a stronger team? I personally think he'll probably put out a stronger team just because we are pretty shit. And if we can somehow put put together a run in the Europa League and win it, God forbid, it it could happen. You're in the Champions League and you're laughing. So I don't think he'll continue with with the kids. I think he'll probably... I think that the reason we saw so many of them was because, like Stefan's questions to losing to, they are quite low level, level to put it yeah, bluntly. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think he, I think he has to play stronger teams. Um, Benfica are no pushovers, by the way. So you know, I think we need to be that. That will be a tough tie compared to what we've been, compared to what we have been facing. That will be a tough tie. So yeah, no, I, I, I think he'll go stronger. I. Do you think the same, Josh? I just can't see. Yeah, it that's normally a quarter-final, semi-final kind of draw in this kind of thing. You know, a team that is generally uh, a regular in the mm. Champions League group stage. Uh, I think yeah. Benfica were just uh, say unfortunate that they weren't in the Champions League. Yeah, just outside. Yeah. Um, they were just outside last year, but you know, COVID has thrown a lot of teams into certain places that they weren't before. You know, Leon not even in Europe this mm. year. It's yep. kind of shown that COVID did some weird things with how leagues decided to finish them off. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd kind of leave that one on the fence, but I think we will see generally just basically everyone you think is a rotation player will play that game probably yeah. with one of, uh, you know, Bamiang or Lacazette starting up front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we will see a different different side, and and I think um, the one thing it did do is to answer Stefan's question there. It did give the opportunity to some of those lower down the road mm. players, so we can be thankful for that. Because mm-hmm. Christ, can you imagine if we'd have been losing games in that competition whilst losing games in the league? Bloody hell, it really would have been doomed, wouldn't it? Jesus. Um, and it also gave uh, underperforming players an opportunity to play themselves back into form a bit as well, which is uh, which is useful. Um, Josh, you can have this one from Jimmy. If Arsenal sign less than six players in the winter transfer window, what's the best method for writing in the streets? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's just upset because Mesut Ozil's been linked with a move to his uh, MLS club. His MLS club, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that's the bigger problem. Uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, if he goes and assumes we're going to sign uh, six players, Julian Brandt might be one of them. Uh, and yeah. he supports by Leverkusen as well. That's a, a good good thing from to see. Like Jimmy gets but, around with his clubs, doesn't he? What a slag. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think I've said it already, but I'm definitely going to put it on record again. There's only one player that I think we need to get us through to the summer. Uh, and that's just a creative player. I don't think we need to be signing a boatload of players in because we've got a massively bloated squad, if nobody has noticed. We need to get rid of about six or seven oh, yeah. players and replace it with one. That's all we need to do. Yeah. Brendan yeah. is then. And <laughs> all we've got to do... Uh, no, Awara, is it Awara? Who is it? I can't remember Chris's question. Just hit... Someone hit Danny over the head with a banjo well, and the yeah, midfielder will come in. <laughs> some, someone hit Danny and the rest will look after itself, basically, is what we're saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting um, situation in terms of writing. Uh, no matter what Arsenal do, it will be wrong anyway. We all know that. So, yeah, that's facts, isn't it? 
Um, I think this is the last question. Um, Gumma Ventura, mm -hmm. do you think it's possible to reach Champions League football? If so, um, which do you think is more realistic top four for Europa League? I mean, for me, for me, it's Europa League. But then you look at the Premier League table and it's an absolute farce at the moment where everyone's beating everybody. And you think, well, actually, I mean, I don't know, maybe. maybe. I, I don't think I don't think we're out of reach of like top six. I think top four may be a little bit of a a stretch, but it just depends, doesn't it? I th I, for me, Europa League personally. Thoughts? Uh, I would say I'm going to be controversial. I, I think top four, top four's there uh, for us potentially. I know there's a lot of um, what doesn't help is Man City have got two games in hand basically on everybody else. So they're arguably top of the table, I think. No, my maths isn't right. They'd be on 35. Oh, yeah, they would be top of the table on 35 points. Uh, but, you know, then you're looking at Leicester City. Brenda, you know what he's like when he gets towards the end of a season. Something's <laughs> going to fall over. Or Jamie Vardy's going to get an injury. You know, they, they are very uh, brittle, shall we say. One player out ruins their entire season. Uh, yeah. And I think the same goes for the team in North London as well, the other team. But unfortunately, if that little Korean chap gets uh, injured, they're fucks. So yeah, we've got a bit, that. we've got a bit more to us, and I think we can, we could push for top four. Um, yeah. Hmm. What do you reckon? How do you think that? Uh, <laughs> As mad as it is, like, I literally just looked at the table while you two were talking, and we're on 23 points, and Spurs, who've got a game in hand, and City, who've got two games in hand of us, are also on 29. Well, a lot of people on 29, so literally six points away, not by goal difference, but by being on the same points as the top four, or the fourth place position team, which is crazy to think how bad our form has been. Um I think more realistic is Europa League personally, just because of the way that we strung a few good wins together in the FA Cup uh, post-lockdown. Um, I just think our form is just too iffy, but I think that time of year, hopefully, look, Partey's not too far away from coming back to us. Hopefully, we can sort of get a bit of momentum in the league and get a, an easier run in the Europa League, and I can see us qualifying that way. I don't think we'll... I just think we're too, we're too far off the top, like the top six teams, like Man City, Spurs. I know Spurs are quite flaky, but the way they're playing, Leicester again could drop off, and then Chelsea they're up and down as well. But I just think, I just think we're more up and down than everyone else, if that makes sense. And I can't see us putting together too much of a run with the inadequacies that we have in our squad. I'd like to say we're joint fifth at the moment. Joint fifth. <laughs> joint <Yes>. fifth. <laughs> we're joint fifth. If you work it out and put everything together, we're joint fifth in the table. Uh, I yeah. mean, if anybody would like to end this podcast on a positive note, it is the fact we're joint fifth. Take that while we can. I can, <laughs> I can sort, yeah, I can sort of see where you're coming from in terms of the fact that if you look at that table, it is just one of those like, yeah. is it like if you win two games or like we've done three on the spin, you know, we were in crisis a week ago and now all of a sudden we're, you know, we're, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. yeah, if you ignore goal difference, we're joint fifth. What's our fixtures? You've got Newcastle Saturday. We, yeah, we have a very uh, good FA Cup run Saturday. coming up. Um, 
Palace. That's a Newcastle. Newcastle. Uh, then we go to. Do you play Wolves? I don't know. That's I'm trying to get it now. Next. Yeah, I'm just trying to find. Stupid Sky thing. Sports. App. I mean, I actually have them. I don't know why I'm guessing. Uh, it's Newcastle. Sorry. We play the <laughs> FA Cup. Then we go. We get Palace at home, Newcastle at home, Southampton away, Man United at home. Another round of the Cup if we qualify. Yeah, there's that. another round in there. Um, yeah, we then play Man United um, at home. Easy that Wolves shit right away. now. <laughs> yeah, Wolves away, and then we're into February, um, where we got Villa, Leeds, then Benfica. But I'll stop there. Otherwise, I'm just going to read the entire fixture list. <laughs> And in the 2021-2022 season, we'll be starting the league with... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, we look at those fixtures and there are there's plenty of winnable games, isn't there? Yeah, e- even uh, before our sort of current form, I probably would have said most of the Mother United game were winnable, even with how bad we were. But now yeah. a, bit, a bit wind under ourselves, you never know. Yeah. We've only got one game against the typical top six uh, away from home as well in this part of the season. Everyone else we've got at the Emirates. It's only Chelsea towards the end that we play away. So I mean, it's not a bad group. I mean, Chelsea will probably have a good manager by then. Um, that's the only <laughs> time. Uh, I'll probably spend a shitload in the, in the January transfer window as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, the, anyway. the only, what you can positively say is I don't think it can get much worse than what it was. Oh God, never say that. Like in Cheers, terms Alice. of like everyone, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Alice, that's, that's on you now. When that this all on goes me. horribly wrong, that is on you. But people, right, everyone was out of form at one point, and people are still out of form. Bang Yang is still out of form. Other players are still out of form. William will probably never play a good game for Arsenal for as long as he lives. But you never know <laughs> if he suddenly turns around, then it, it will be a lot better than what we are now. We're, yeah. we're winning three games in a row and we've only got like three youngsters that are playing well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but you, you know, you, you're absolutely right to be fair that like, that's just fact. Obviously, they go the other way and everyone can turn to shit and people will just start yeah. losing li- limbs left, right and centre and we'll just have like... Which is, which is also just as possible to be fair, but yeah, I guess... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, is I that the that's... end of the questions, Chris? I think it is, yeah, unless you want to go down the route of Funky Chris's um, elegant questions, which I'll leave that up to you. But I, I, I would love to, however, I've just looked at what the time currently says in our top corner. We've yeah, been two going hours. two hours <laughs> and ten minutes. Oh, that's that's, um, that's that's way that's way way more than than is needed. Yeah, that is way too much longer than needed. No one wants to be known. Happy New Year, everyone. They're, they're um, doing certain things too, uh, and I'm not even sure if he means that spelling of gorilla um, no. to be the um, activist kind or the other kind. And Ellis is going to get told off if he doesn't finish now. Anyway, and in our oh, defence, we haven't done a pod for two weeks, so we've sort of exactly. given you like extra kind of bits and bobs that we wouldn't normally. And that's, so that's, and that's not your fault, listeners. That's our fault, uh, but also your fault. You're going to have to deal with it for two hours of us. But anyway, I better wrap this up. You so, have. Uh, what else am I going to say? We will be back for the Newcastle game <laughs> in the FA Cup. Nobody knows. Who's on that show? Because nobody replied to Danny other than Danny. So he's the only one doing it at the moment in a one-man show. I'd like to say thank you to my guests whilst ignoring the ticker at the bottom. Uh, Ellis, 
it's been an absolute pleasure, I suppose, to have you back on. Uh, oh, it's been a while. <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep looking at Danny's shit. Um, I've loved it, mate. I've missed it. Um, oh, well, hopefully, fixtures permit. I've got a lot of, a lot of time in my hands at the moment. So, you know, well, I haven't actually. I'll be busy at work, but it's not like <laughs> I'm doing anything else when I'm not at work. Yeah, helping children study. But yeah, it's yeah. been lovely. And we're actually winning games. You could almost say, because I've come on a podcast, I've turned it around. So you're all welcome. <laughs> you could say that, but John's, John's also stopped podding at that time. So uh, uh. you're going to have to take it up on yourself. <laughs> um, and of course, got to say goodbye to the pirate. And thank you very much. Ah, oh, you're welcome. You, I mean, you don't need to say goodbye to me. It's I fine. Don't, I don't I really. Mean, you know, um, you are more than welcome, sir. I'm sure I shall grace these shores at some point again soon, if not Twitter. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, of course, if you do enjoy what we do, whichever platform you're listening to us, ensure that you subscribe on that one. And if you do have accounts for any other platform that you can find us on and haven't subscribed to us, just do it anyway. Why not? Give us a like whilst you're there as well, because every little helps. And this time of need for everybody, I know podcasts probably aren't the top of everybody's lists, but you know, when you're stuck indoors all day, can't go out because of the shitty little virus, just stick us on and we'll have a little chat and you can go, God, that's why I hate the general public and being inside is great. So yeah, Danny, do the honours and switch this shit off. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.